I've got a new one for you. Okay. The days of Tom Cruise and John Calipari. <laughs> yeah. Ray Romano. <laughs> yeah. I've gotten John Lovitz oh, a few times. That one's got to sting a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> that one hurts. Ray Romano doesn't feel good either. I've told you the story about yeah. rock star Bob and I seeing Ray Romano at a fight in Vegas and me going up and standing next to him yeah, yeah. just to prove that I don't sound <laughs> that I don't look yeah. like Ray. I got a new one for you. I don't okay. know. I don't know how to feel about this one. You're gonna giggle. Can I guess? No, you. Yeah, you can guess, but you'll never. You'll never. Come oh, I won't. Okay, because no. there's there's one that I see once in a while. I'm like, oh, really? Hmm. For me? Yeah. At my age. Who? Yeah, he's Who? gray. Who? Bill Simmons. Can you picture Bill I've Simmons? I've heard that one. You have, a couple. okay. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not completely out yes, of my mind. Bill, people, don't even, people don't even know who Bill Simmons is. Mm, do they? A lot of our okay. listeners do. Okay. He's right. beloved amongst sports fans. Last week, we went to dinner, my wife and I, in Kirkland to one of these, um, like, Izakawa. Do you know that? That, that chain or no. that set of restaurants? It's like hot pots, like oh, soups, like okay. fancy... Soups with egg in it sure, and noodles yeah. in it. Sounds you know. good, yeah. So, yeah, it is good. It sounds great. So we were there. We were at the one in Kirkland on that little back alley street near Zeke's. And the uh, the guy takes our order. Yeah. And he comes over after he takes our order. And he says, I just have to ask you. Oh, boy. Have you ever been told? And I'm waiting. Yeah. <laughs> Am I getting Romano? He doesn't look like a guy. I'm just going to tell you. I don't want to judge a book by its cover. Sure. But he doesn't look like a guy that would have any idea who Ray Romano is. He seems youngish. So, so he wouldn't have any idea who you are either, potentially. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Yeah, no. So absolutely not. Okay. He wouldn't know who Ray Romano is. He certainly wouldn't know who John Lovitz is. He, he would he probably he would know Tom Cruise. John Lovitz's family. He wouldn't know John Calipari. Him. He doesn't look like a guy who, <laughs> okay. who covered. So I'm like, so I'm playing this in oh, slow God. motion. Like, which one is coming? Yeah. Which one? He says, anybody ever told you you look like Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> <laughs> really? Sylvester Stallone? Sylve I said, no. He said the nose, just the, the chin. You just have a, you really look like Whoa. no one's told you that. I'm standing here wondering, like, that's not Sylvester Stallone that just came into Izakawa, is it? He really that thought I looked like Stallone. He thought I looked just like Sylvester Stallone. Does he I, know who Sylvester Stallone he is? He must know who Sylvester Stallone is. <laughs> Stallone's like 76 or something, isn't he? He knew Rambo. He didn't know Rocky. I was like, yo, Adrian, I tried to give him a thrill. Oh, it's yo, Adrian, he had no, no idea. What I, <laughs> God. Making jokes he doesn't get. He yeah. Care. Wow. Do you I, see any mm, Sylvester Stallone? I don't see Sylvester Stallone. By the way, Stallone is 75. Yeah, that's not good. Not good. <laughs> that's not good. He's going to be 76 this summer. Yeah, that's not good. But he is a good 76 if there's such a thing. Is he, though? He looks kind of like put together. He looks like kind of like Humpty Dumpty fell oh. off the wall and all the good people and all the good men kind of put him together. He is not a good seven. That does not look good. To well, me. for 76. It I mean, looks a lot of plastic. That looks Tawny Katane like. Yeah, Catwoman. You ever seen yeah, the Catwoman, yeah, that yeah. poor lady? Yeah, that yeah. Does, I don't think that's a good. He thought I looked like. Huh. I don't think Sylvester I Sylvester Stallone I got. Anyway, episode 187. <laughs> I hope everybody had a, a fine Easter weekend. You were in Arizona for the week. Yes, sir. For spring break. I hope that was enjoyable. For, oh. those, for those on my team that are celebrating Passover, I wish everybody a happy Passover. I know that, that kind of gets lost in the, in the shuffle next to Easter. Did you, did you have a fun time? Any, any stories? Anything good happened in Arizona? You well, had a good time? I was thinking Piper graduates high school in five years, God willing. 
No, okay. she'll graduate in five years. Why, um, are we, why are we thinking about five years from now? Well, because that's probably the soonest... I can move down there. Oh, you're, you, but you kind of have moved, haven't you? I, you know what? The, at graduation, when they walk on the stage, I get the diploma. Before she hits the other side of that effing stage, I'm going to be in a U-Haul. I'm going to be gone. I'm going to start chewing again. Um, it's, it's on. I'm going to be heading down whatever I-5. We've to, talked about this before. I why have do, to live there. Why doesn't everybody live there? You know, I'm, But you I'm, don't want to live there in the summer. Well, that's kind of... I mean, but people do. Not everyone can afford a summer home. I mean, yeah, plenty of people live there in the summer, right? Not everyone in Phoenix so, has a okay. summer home in the Northwest. So what's worse, the summer in Arizona, 125 degrees? Uh, 10, yeah. Well, I was there one year for the All-Star game in the okay. summer. It's the only time I think I've ever been in the summer. Yeah. I went for the, I took the boys to the All-Star game in July of one of the years. Yeah, in Arizona. It was no intolerable. <laughs> yeah. And I'm from Florida. <laughs> right. It was intolerable. Right. Okay. What's worse, there in the summer? Yeah. Or here in the winter? Well, I was doing the math. It feels like there's two brutal months in Arizona as opposed to ten (laughs) brutal months up here. I mean, but I've told you. Everybody lived there. But listen, I've told you why people sit through the weather up here. They 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 hunt. They hike. They own a boat. They snow ski. All they camp. All the outdoors. They love. I don't do any of that. I just get the weather. I mean, yes, Jesus. you do. What? You go away to camping. You miss shows. I, I kept once you, a you year. Do, yeah, every every year you say I got to miss a show. Much I'm going to my camping. chagrin, I go camping once a year. Well, I don't. But I don't take advantage. I see why people sit through the weather. It's worth it for them. But I don't do any of that stuff. So why? But you I, don't golf. I don't golf. You yeah. don't sit by pools. Uh, that's an Arizona thing. I got some Sitting pool by time. Pool, do you? Yeah, I got some can pool you? time. Can you? You don't look like a guy who can sit still for a, an hour or two. Yeah, we I got to be like, doing something. I got to be in the pool playing with a throwing yeah. a football or something. I, I look, I'm with you. Yeah. I, look, I'm not going to fight you on this because we're at the stage now where our youngest is a sophomore in high school. Right. We've started talking about downsizing. We don't need this home anymore, and we can get 33 million because I lived in it. <laughs> that's right. We'll get there in a second, <laughs> but um. And I, you know, we bring it up all the time. Do we want to live in Arizona? Do we want to set a second house in Arizona or yeah. Palm Springs or San Diego, or LA? My wife is scared. Have I told you this? Every time Arizona comes up, she thinks of the scorpions. Oh, scorpions. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going there. Yeah. I've I said, what if we live up in a building off the ground? He says, she said, I think scorpions go up there. I think they get on the elevator, <laughs> they press the button. She does not want to see. Is it scorpions or tarantulas or what what is it? Oh, they have them all. They got it all. Anything okay, so can... maybe it's tarantulas. Well, scorpions are the ones that have the things that go over the back, you know? Yeah, they... no, I think she's worried about the tarantulas. Is tarantulas in Arizona? Yeah, but they're not poisonous tarantulas. Yeah, but she doesn't want to see... Who cares if they're... She does not... Like, if she sees a tarantula, yeah. she will get in that same U-Haul and get the <laughs> hell out of it. She doesn't want to see any... Can tarantulas get up to a sixth floor? I don't know. Or an eighth what, floor? What, like Jack Hanna? What are you asking me for? I don't <laughs> know. Jack Hanna. Timely reference. <laughs> she, she's scared of the... Of the uh, tarantulas and the scorpions. Of all my times to Arizona, I've seen a scorpion once, and it was a poor baby that fell in the pool and died. That's my only scorpion experience. I never see them. I've seen a rattlesnake once up in a drain pipe. You know, you just... Yeah, I do. I think... But you don't live down there. Yeah. She hears from people... Like, we have friends who live there all year round. Yeah. Send their kids to Arizona State or University of Arizona, live in Phoenix or Scottsdale, and they, like, take... They think it's funny. They don't realize they're ruining my future. Yeah, right. They take pictures of these things and post them on Facebook. And Sharon goes, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> Yeah. Cancel Phoenix. We're not going to Phoenix. Hey, she's, like, she's deathly afraid. We saw a family of wild javelinas. You ever seen a javelina? 
I, I think I have. Have you? It's, it looks kind of like a boar, yeah. or like I a think pig. I've seen a javelina, yeah. But it's it's not a it's not it's not a pig that we know. Yeah. But it looks kind of like it. Anyway, that was cool. A little wild family of javelina down there. But you don't see snakes and spiders all over the I place. Think you do. You just got to live in like a development, and you I have the brick that, wall. I think they hang out room. in your living room. I think that's what that. You just got to shake the shoes out before you put them on. My well, look, side. I told her. Look, don't worry because you're married to Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Which, which oh, Stallone, boy. when he was too old to box and he played the trainer? I, I mean, don't know which one I look yeah. like. Uh, I hope we can order up a few more April weather days like Sunday here. Sunday here was fantastic. I mean, I, the, the week I was... record this. The week I was gone, I heard snow and sleep. It was terrible. It was terrible while you're gone. Yeah, I was surprised to get off but the But this plane. is better than probably anything you had there. Uh, 84, the day but before But this, this is maybe better. <laughs> this is like, what, 70? <laughs> better? 68? Isn't 70 better than 84? I don't know. I like 82, 84. It's a dry heat. Yeah, people love to say that, don't they? Mitch Unfiltered is available on all podcast major platforms. Please, please, please rate and review us on Apple. Please. Please. Give us a five star and tell us what you like about it and let uh, others know what you like about it. You can become a Mitch Unfiltered patron for $5 a month and have access to all the bonus shows like Danny O'Neill, Slickhawk, music entries from Hotshot. If you would like to be a patron with access to all the weekly shows, but the five bucks a month is an issue for whatever reason. Just write me, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. No questions asked. The point of patronage is not to, to price people out of the market at five bucks. That's right. I want people, if they want to be a patron and they want to hear the shows and they don't want to spend the five dollars and they can't spend the five dollars for yeah. whatever reason. Just let me know. We are not some stuffy private golf club. Yes, we are. Oh, we are. Okay. Yes, we are. I want somebody to ask for it for free and then shit on the podcast. That's yeah, what they I, probably do that anyway. <laughs> that's what I really want. Let's see if somebody has the, the the macaroons to do that. Guests on this episode 187, we welcome back Rick Neuheisel to the show. Oh. And the reason is this. Okay. And I just recorded that, that interview before you got to the, the house. I think it's the best, maybe the best talk I've ever had with Rick Neuheisel. It's more of a thing. It's not a joking talk. Normally we joke and we laugh. Yeah. So if you like that, it may not be that. But I wanted to get him on about this whole name, image, and likeness thing. Oh, right. This whole Josh Connerly story. It's now coming out. The kid from Rainier Beach, offensive oh, right. lineman, yeah. going to Oregon. It's coming out that that Phil Knight collective group yeah. guaranteed him $1.5 coming out of high school to wow. go to Oregon. That's at least the rumor. Where are we headed? A guy like Neuheisel knows this stuff. Isn't he And also, what we have to do. Did he go to law school? I mean, isn't he a lawyer? Went to law yeah, school. Okay. He's a lawyer. Perfect for this. He's one. got, th- this conversation is a little long. It's like 28 minutes. What? With you and Rick talking? Little, little, Come on. Who could have seen that coming? Uh, <laughs> it's go a little on. long, but it's, it's real. He's really Great. good. He's got ideas on how to control this. He said it's already out of control. Oh. And we're heading down a very bad path. Uh, if you like parody in college football, we're heading down a very bad path. That combined with the transfer portal where you can just go. It's like free agents. You can right. go anywhere you want to go. It's really bad. We have to get our arms around it. And he's got ideas. He should be the new Mark Emmert. He should be the executive director of the NCAA. Nice. He's got great ideas. I think they'll make a lot of sense to you. But I think it's a really, I want to say smart conversation with Rick Neuheisel, but that kind of is... Yeah, I know what you're saying. Bringing me into it. (laughs) It's smart because of him, not because of me. Fair enough. uh, Guest number two is a lady named Mary Ruland, and I'm not going to tell you anything about that interview. Okay. Except that she had a son, had, unfortunately, a son who died real young 
I'm not going to tell you anything more. You got to listen to that interview. Okay. It's going to be one of those little bit of a little bit of a heartbreaker, a little bit of a tearjerker, but yeah. it's got a nice, a somewhat nice ending, but you got to hear the story. Okay. Okay. And then I'll just tell you this story. This past week, I had my birthday. While you were in Arizona, oh, I had my birthday. Okay. Okay. It was Monday, and of course, my son had a baseball game, a high school baseball game. And at the end of the baseball game, it was kind of a nice night. He got in the car, my wife, the three of us, Max is at U Dub. And they said, Where do you want to go to dinner, Dad? Let's go to dinner for oh. your birthday. So we went to a little Italian place in Issaquah. It doesn't matter where it was. Okay. But we got to the we got to the restaurant and we were in the parking lot. I drove. He's in his uniform. They just had played. And I said, I have a request. Okay. And they said, sure, anything. What do you want? And my wife immediately said, no dessert here. Nobody's eating dessert here. We've got dessert at home, which made gotcha. me feel really good. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was coming. Oh, yeah. You get the same thing every year, don't you? I Yes. I asked if everybody would leave their phones in the car oh. for dinner. Hey, man, have a good one, Dad. I hope you enjoy the dinner. I got to go. I'm going to try to describe to you the faces <laughs> that I saw when I asked for that request on my birthday. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. You could do it. It'd be hard. I could do it. Okay. It would be hard. Okay. So they said yes. Wow. And with the three of us, the the house could have burned down, whatever. Right. The three of us went into the Italian restaurant. We spent probably an hour in there, maybe an hour and 10 minutes. Wow. And it was amazing. It was 1995 and all the, over again. And while those guys probably, Brett and Sharon probably would not admit it, I think they they felt it too. We were talking, we were joking, we were telling. It was amazing. Yeah. It was so different. It was amazing. Okay. So now fast forward. That's Monday. I hope my wife never listens to this podcast. <laughs> that, that's her dream. It's amazing. That's her dream to everyone. Okay. Yeah. Fast forward to about Wednesday of last week. Okay. I pick up a something online. I'm reading articles online, and I see the story of a restaurant in Kent, England, not Kent, Washington, sure, not yeah. near Auburn. Yeah, yeah. In the town of Kent, England. I don't even know where that is. Yeah, yeah. It's called Spice Fusion. Okay. Where the owner, this is two days after I just went through this on my birthday. Yeah. The owner is offering anybody 20% off of their bill. Yeah. If they are willing, the entire table of four or more yeah. is willing to take their phone and put them in a phone. Every, every table in the restaurant has a phone jail in the middle of it. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. That's you open, amazing. You open it up. Yeah. You put the phone in. You can see. You can kind of visit. You can visit your, your sure, phone. Sure, yeah, yeah. But there's a padlock. You got to lock. Everybody at the table has to lock up all of their phones for the entirety of the dinner. Incredible. I'm reading this and I'm like, that's brilliant. Yeah. And I'm wondering how many people would... Uh, money goes a long way now. Saving 20% sure. off your bill of four or more. That ain't nothing. All you got to be willing to do. 20% off. Yeah. Is everybody locked their phone up? Nobody touches their phone. So Oof. we called him and we got him on. He was in France. He's in Normandy, France at the time of my call. Yeah. Really? This call, this interview probably cost me a fortune. All <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but he's our his name is Rajiv Gupte. Okay. He is the owner of Spice Fusion in the English town of Kent. Yeah. This was his idea, and he's gonna tell us why. How? How many people take advantage of it? Amazing. What's the future of this? What the impact does it? Does he notice a difference when people come in and take the 20% and put their phones away? Yeah. 
I wanted to have a conversation. We 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 hunted this guy down in Normandy, France. He's on vacation <laughs> in Normandy, France, and he came on unfiltered. Of all the restaurant gimmicks, I think I'd rather eat the three foot tall burger for the free t shirt <laughs> than go go through this. I don't know if I can do it. Of course you would. Yeah. So the whole table, it can't be like two out of. It's got to be everyone. In gotta, the jail, you got to sit and talk to each other. In the jail, you don't have to. You can look at each other. That's true, I guess. Wow. In the jail with a padlock. Yeah. He did say, I don't want to give away okay, too much. Okay, all right, all right. Incredible. I, 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 my first question was, who keeps the key of the padlock? Do they, does he literally in the kitchen have the padlock? Yeah. He, you can't get into your, your jail <laughs> to get your phone? <laughs> I mean, we went to dinner on our last night in Arizona. It's me, Megan's dad, Megan yeah, and Piper. Yeah. And I, we get the speech every time, me and Piper. Can we have a little less phone time at the table? Put I him mean, in the car. I know. Put him in the car. I know it's hard. It's tough. It's, it's very good. It's funny because when we were at the restaurant for my birthday, yeah, like conversations would come up, and somebody would say, like my wife would say, "I'd like to check on that, but I can't." Yeah, right. <laughs> I can't check yeah. on that. I got to get on Twitter to see what if I, someone called me an asshole. What in the I last love five about minutes. about Spice Fusion is yeah. in these jails in the middle of your table, you can see through them, so your phone can light up like somebody's. At, yeah, but who's who? So are they all flat or is, is it like a stack? I don't, or, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that we got I want mine that. to be on top, <laughs> flipped over. No, you don't want. You don't want to see that somebody's looking oh, for you. That's, that's terrible. Uh, yeah, I forgot about that's that. That's human torture. I'm a married man. I forgot about that. <laughs> I flipped that thing around. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, those are our three guests. Rick Neuheisel, Mary Ruland, and Rajiv Gupte, <laughs> owner of Spice Fusion in the English town of Kent, live or not live, taped from Normandy, France. But before we begin... Messages from our all-important partners, without which unfiltered is not possible, like Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. Evergreengk.com, more than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza, Spokane, Mill Creek, White Center, new locations, Kraken fans, don't forget about the bar area at the Belltown Zeke's for post-game specials, homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler, I think the number one place to celebrate special occasions in the Northwest. We love the Schwartz family. Mother's Day is just about here. You're going to hear on the show, it's the busiest Sunday of the year for Daniel's Broiler. Make your reservations for moms now. Fireside Home Solutions, the title sponsor of our Beat the Boys March Madness Pool and the Masters Pool. Congratulations to Birch are in order. He won 500 bucks. Begin your search for fireplaces and garage doors at firesidehomesolutions.com. And Jordan Flowers, the Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage. Seven minutes is all. That's all you need. On the phone with Jordan or a member of his team, you could be saving hundreds of dollars every month with a refinance. 425-890-2957. Jordan Flowers, the Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage. Episode 187 begins right now. Unfiltered. If an NFL analyst smarter than us actually sat down with the game tape of Matthew Stafford for all 17 regular season games and Derek Carr, my guess is they would conclude there's not a whole lot of difference. Unfiltered. A petty Mariners fan might point out that they're hitting 183 as a team, that they're slugging 299 as a team, that they've got two one-run wins and three losses. 
Uh, they might talk about Jared Kalnick looking lost at the plate. They might talk about the slow start of Julio. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 187 now, officially underway. Hotshot Scott, back from Arizona and the Tarantulas. <laughs> yes, right. You'll be happy to know that when I landed at SeaTac on yes. this Easter Sunday as we record, yeah. I checked Twitter like most people do when you land to see of if course, anything big happened. Yeah. The number one trending topic on Easter Sunday was Satan. <laughs> I thought... Really on Easter Sunday? Why? Sa- Satan. I, people like to. People are a holes. You know they they know it's a religious holiday. And yes. They probably saw one too many. He has risen tweets, and so they got to throw Satan out there to combat. You I'm know. Gonna, I'm going to share people with you how jerks. weird I am when you <laughs> when you say the word Satan. Yeah. I immediately think of one thing. Okay. Oh, I I know exactly. What no, you, think. you don't. You don't know what I'm going to say. Uh, uh, this I, is how weird I no, am. No, no. I as have it. As soon as you say Satan, I got that it. word. I think of one thing. I know what it is. The church lady. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> See, sometimes we're symbolic. I know. Satan. How, how bad is that? Yeah. It's pretty funny. God. Yep, I know. Um, See, sometimes we, we do line up. Not often, but we do line up on the exact same thing. Well, you talk about Twitter and checking to see what's up in Twitter. I would say to you that this past week in sports, just nationally speaking. Yeah was kind of a quiet week in the world of sports. Okay. I mean, you have the NBA playoffs. I don't know if you get into the NBA playoffs. The NFL draft is coming. But after that incredible week where we had Final Four, right. Masters, and a opening day in baseball, that was just a rock'em, sock'em right. eight days. It was kind of quiet hmm. overall. I think when, when the NFL draft comes, everybody gets excited. Right. To me, locally in the Northwest – there was clearly one topic sports related okay. that was talked about more in social media than any other topic. Now, you might say somebody might be yelling, okay, Mariners. Yeah. Probably the Mariners, and that's not what I'm talking about, but the Mariners won two out of the three yeah. in their first homestand, the first uh, series, and they beat the hated Houston Astros. Look good doing it. Got some good pitching. Yeah. Uh, starts on the mound we got you know we got there's optimism around the Mariners which is great but there was a there was something else that I think was talked about on social media at least locally more than anything else while you were gone I kept waiting to see if Baker Mayfield was a Seahawk but he is uh yeah that that that, 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 that lingers but I was going to ask you it feels like that's sort of trailing off though I'm no not... I think it's going to heat up uh, really yeah I got it in the other stuff segment I saw him with the I Panthers got a story, yeah uh, I know. got a story about it in the okay. other stuff segment all right good but it's not that it's no not Seahawks quarterback it's it's funny yeah it's about a Seahawks quarterback oh gotcha to me now maybe somebody would be on uh, <laughs> Mitch you're not paying attention I I only when I say social media I I kind of mean Twitter yeah I got you I, I'm not really on Instagram or Facebook. There were more comments in my profile about a certain, let's call it a two-pronged story. Okay. The first prong is a Bellevue home that was listed for $36 million for sale. It's 11,000 square feet, two acres on the water. The owners spent... 6.7 6.7 million and now are trying to sell it for 36 million dollars. Yeah. That's the first prong of the story. Okay, and before you keep going, just <laughs> the people that annoy me are the ones who 
put it on Facebook and like they they think they have the inside. They're, oh, Russell Wilson's selling his home and I'm the only one that knows it. If I have to see that posted one we get it. Everyone knows he's selling his home. You don't have the inside track. Okay, sorry, go ahead. The same people that are selling that house is this is the second prong okay. to the story. Those same people that are selling that house yeah. also broke the all-time record in Denver, Colorado in real estate history. And I kid you not, I didn't know that. It's actually a stat. They spent more money on a home in the Denver, Colorado area than anybody in the history of the Denver, Colorado area. Breaking Von Miller's record of <laughs> the most expensive house. No? $25 million that same couple, that same family, yeah. spent on their Denver area home. Uh, let's see here. $15 million was the record. It's a five-acre, 20,000-square-foot home with four bedrooms <laughs> and 12 baths. <laughs> right. Do the math on that. Good Lord. 12 bathrooms, but only four bedrooms and 20,000 square feet. Are they trying to tell me something as a visitor? You can come visit, but you can't stay <laughs> that's here. Right, yeah. And yeah, they have kids too. So there's like not even any that's spare it. bedrooms. That's it. Yeah, that's it. A 2,590 square foot pool house with an indoor pool. Well, in Denver, I guess that's. A nine car garage, a game room, a basketball court, a uh, guest apartment, a theater, a full theater. $25 million. It seems like those two prongs of the story yeah. are the biggest and the most talked about thing over the last week on local social media. That's all I'm saying. Do we have to know this? I thought that was yes. private. Like, is that is it not private when you buy a home? I'm not a real estate agent. I don't know. Like, is there? No, a, it's all public record. So when you buy Everything a house. Is, oh, it's all public record. It is. Okay. Yeah. There's no scenario where you can say I don't yeah, want people to know. There's probably a scenario, but yeah. they, they didn't choose that <laughs> they sure didn't so you're telling me they bought it for 6.75 is that right are we going to are we start with the bellevue or are we going to denver what are, what are we talking about bellevue well, let's start with yeah the one they sold okay if you want to be technical they spent 6.7 okay they apparently spent some money on it while mm. they were in it sure and the 36 million is actually 28 million for that house and 8 million for the next door piece of property gotcha okay that's how they get to 36 million yeah. Is it? <sighs> okay. I don't want, as I saw, I, I went through this with Danny on the P show. I don't want to be Mr. Petty. Look, all the power to him. He's a better human being than me. Yep. He's meant a lot to this community. He's done a great job. He's made a ton of money on the field. He's made a ton of money off the field. He spent his Tuesdays at Children's Hospital. He's He says the right thing. He's a nice man. Yep. He's a... I'm sure she's great. You know, the, there's something about all this that just drives the shit out of me. <laughs> and I don't want to be, I, I'm not envy. It's not like envy. Like I'm super jealous that they have this house and I don't have that. It's not yeah, bad. Yeah. Right, right, right. There is just something. <laughs> there's a few, there's a few elements of this that's just bothering me. And I think the overall umbrella, and maybe you can, maybe this doesn't bother you. Maybe you're like looking at me like, why are you bothered by this, Mitch? I think the overall umbrella of my bother okay. is just how he changed. He was this like mid-round draft yeah. choice college sweetheart. out of Wisconsin. Remember college sweetheart sitting next humble, to him? Humble, yeah. like didn't come from much, whatever. And, yep. You know, all the power. Again, I, I don't begrudge him any of this. Right. He became, and then he marries the superstar. I, this is, and the, and and, I, yeah. I, and so I find myself wanting to pick apart. Like I find myself wanting to laugh that they only have four bedrooms 
in a 20,000 square foot Denver home. Yeah, and the basketball and court bathrooms. was pretty, pretty weak, too. You seen it? The basketball court was pretty no good. Weak. No three point line. No three point line. It was just a little, a little too narrow for my liking in a 20,000 square foot home. Okay. Let me see how I put this next thing. Okay. I, maybe I should stop. No, no, I go just, on. You should already, I stop? No, go on. Are other people annoyed by this? I, I, and I don't mean that I'm angry. I'm right. not angry. It's just all of this just kind of rubs me the wrong way. I don't know why. I can't I can't put my finger on. Is it because it's like a, I don't know. The final nail in him no. being gone. He's so I don't his, care that he's gone. I mean, he's well, he is what he is. Right, I mean, right. I'm, okay. <laughs> he's just he broke so many hearts and he's just living his life know, as large as can be. All right. It's eating your kishkas? Hey. <laughs> is that what it's doing? No, eating my kishkas <laughs> is more of a Yiddish phrase for it's driving me nuts. This is not driving. It's this, not, okay. It's just a little annoying. It's just a little much. <laughs> a little more than a little. I, it's a little annoying. Okay. I, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. Look, you are sitting in our home right now in Bellevue. You have a home in Snoqualmie. I have. I am a property owner in Bellevue. Yes, you are. We have a nice home in Bellevue. We are very keenly aware of how this house and this land has appreciated. Yeah. We've been approached by a lot of people to buy the home. Yep. It's going to it's gonna sell for a lot more than it, it, it was to buy and, and build the home. Most we're gonna people gonna in make this a area. Lot, yeah. We're going to make a lot of money, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, so I am aware of the appreciation of value. <laughs> yeah. But not 6.7 to $36 million. Well, first of all, tell everyone when he bought. What year was that house I don't know. Purchase? I don't know. Like 2015, 2013? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. 6.7 to 36 million is a little much. And it leaves me to believe that a part of this appreciation yeah. is guess who lived in it? Sure. You bet. You got to pay. You got whoever the owner, whoever the buyer is, you got to pay us an extra, I don't know, eight, 10 million because Russell Wilson and Sierra lived in it. Right. So there's got to be a part. There's got to be a little of that in this yeah. in this number, right? It's not just one famous person. We're talking two famous people. And she's arguably more famous than him worldwide. And so if I'm annoyed by the whole thing, <laughs> that's really going to piss me. Now you want eating my kishkas? <laughs> yeah. That somebody would say to a buyer, you've got to give us 8 or 10 million more than this property is actually worth. Yeah. Because we lived in here. I, I hope it's not that. And then the other part is, I can't wait. Now you say, why do we have to know all this? I can't wait to find out how much they actually get for it. Yeah. I want to know. I want to be the first person that's told. They asked for $36 million. I think we should have a pool right now. I think we should have a, a Mitch Unfiltered uh, pool right now. Pin the price on the mansion. Yeah. Because there's no way in hell they are getting. I'm kind of rooting against them to get $36 <laughs> yeah. million. Dollars. It's not unheard of to shoot for the moon, though, when you first of course, listed, of right? course, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're right about like if you look at Frank Sinatra's home that he had in Palm Springs, it ain't no twenty thousand square foot. You know, it's a nice little cool, modest Palm Springs home with a pool, right? But Frank Sinatra lived there. I mean, you know, that's why it would sell for so much. Well, if they okay, ever, you know, okay. So there is I'm some of that. I'm all right with Frank Sinatra. <laughs> well, I know JFK would stay the night. I mean, it's like that house. I'm has okay. Some history. I'm right. okay. Okay. Don't be putting Russell Wilson in Frank Sinatra's class. <laughs> right, fair enough. You're going to piss me off more. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I guess what I'm saying in this first segment is, why? Is there anybody else out there that's just, just a little annoyed by this? And if you tell me it's because you're sad to see him go, he's our quarterback, he yeah. didn't want him. I get it. That's not me. 
Okay. Okay. I'm not in that group. That's right. not why this is annoying. This is there's, a, there's another reason, and I'm not sure. And I think again, I'll go back to boy, he just he changed, which is fine. Yeah. But he really changed. He did change, no doubt. Some of those he pictures changed. on Instagram where they look like they're in a GD Missy Elliott video yeah. with the silver suits on and the hair oh. extensions, and it's like, what what happened to our little humble Russ? The separation and the preparation and the whole thing. Yeah. He he brought a Super Bowl here. He was no, he, great. Of course. He he made a lot of lives better here. Yep. He made as I said, of, he's a he's a better human being yeah. than I can ever dream to be. He's gonna be a great, he's obviously a great parent. He says the right things, he does the right things. Yep. I should just admire the hell out of him. <laughs> but there's something about all this that's driving me nuts. Yeah. I'm curious, I don't know what it is. I'm curious to see what some of the listeners have to say. Maybe one of them will hit on what it is that's Yeah. I don't know. I'm curious. Write me, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com or tweet me at Mitch or whatever, underscore Seattle. Yeah. Tell me. There is, I'd, like to, I'd like to read a, a couple of those on next week's podcast. Okay. Yeah, there is something that's, uh, yeah, I don't know what it is. It is just kind of something annoying about it. Maybe it's so in your face. Maybe he's in your face. Yeah. I don't know. Did he have to make know. that kind of splash in Denver? Like, did he, let's buy the most have, expensive he, home ever? I mean, did he have to break the old record by $10 million? Right. I mean, I don't know. And, again, I'm not and does he need a nine-car garage? That I can get behind. Because <laughs> you don't want to drive your Lamborghini to practice every day. You know, you want to branch out and try different cars. Okay, so like, bathrooms, like in, in the other stuff segment, I'm actually going to bring up a rash of these house sales because you seem to like them. Yeah, yeah. One of which I'm going to bring up is like Mark Wahlberg. Okay. He's selling his house. I don't remember what it was. We'll do it in the other stuff. For like 87 million people, you know, superstar, megastars, rock stars. I, yeah. I, I just don't think of Russell Wilson as like one of those. Not Forget Mark Wahlberg. That's a bad example. But well, he's, he's just having. He's a big name. He's a good. He's a big time actor. Uh, who, uh, Bill Gates. Yeah. Clooney. Warren Buffett. <laughs> would sell, uh, uh, Jeff Bezos would sell their house, yeah, right? Yeah. I don't know. Elon <laughs> I don't think of Russell Wilson in that group. But I, but again, I think we're we're forgetting about the Sierra factor. She's a she's a yeah. worldwide pop star. Somebody in Brazil yeah. may love does her. She make more money than him. I don't know. How, do, how does she make her money? Modeling, pop star. She makes she sings right. She's yeah, a, she's yeah. A, I know. I know she's a singer. Yeah. Is that, is that how she makes the bulk of her would, money? I don't. I know would assume. Way. I mean, she's a she's a pretty big name. I know she. she I just don't know how to. I don't know how tangibly she makes her. I don't know how yeah. that works. Yeah. So, but anyway, it's, it's okay. a it's a power couple. They're bringing in a lot of money together. It's annoying. <laughs> it kind of is. Maybe it's reason. just too. It's too sweet. <laughs> too Maybe? soon? No, just too sweet. It's like, it's too good. Yeah. Yeah. I, got, maybe they just have it too good. That maybe that's. They've it. got each other. They've got the kids. Yeah. You know, I, I think of you talk about Sylvester Stallone. I think about their house. Remember the house with Paulie and the and the and the uh, robot. Oh sure, yeah. When he made it big, yeah, and they were driving the golf the cart around. Golf carts oh, around. love that house. That's yeah. Russell Wilson. He's losing the eye of the tiger. Is that what you're telling me? I don't. He's got to get back. He's got to go down to Apollo's old gym in South Central. Let's get back to the Mariners. <laughs> More interesting. They won two out of the three against the Houston Astros. I got to tell you, I don't know. I, I think this thing is going to – I think they're going to be in a pennant race all year. Okay. I do. I do. I, I'm not sold that they're good enough offensively over 162 to get in. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm really liking the prospects of the pitching staff. And that's not saying – I'm not like reinventing the wheel here. Sure. Everybody's like yelling, of course, Mitch, you do. Tell us something we don't know. Yeah. 
But when you look at this pitching staff, which is kind of now rounded out by this young guy that pitched on Sunday named Matt Brash. Maybe you've seen him. Maybe uh-huh. you haven't. They got him in a deal. He's kind of like the young up-and-coming guy. Okay. Well, they've got a couple young and up-and-coming guys. He's been really, he was really wild on Sunday, but he's got such amazing movement and stuff mm-hmm. and velocity. He's just got, he's got oodles. I mean, he just looks, he's dripping with potential, gotcha. right? He's like their fifth starter. They got Robbie Ray won the Cy Young. Right. Uh, Gonzalez pitched well, finally, in, in his home opener. Um, Logan Gilbert is better. Flexen is pretty good. It just looks, and then they've got a good bullpen. It just looks like no matter what their offense is, that if that pitching staff stays healthy somehow, some way, that that's going to be good enough to just be in a race, if not better than in a race, the entire way. I look at that five-man rotation, I'm like, every five days, they're going to get like three quality starts, right. maybe four. But they're going to they're gonna average three or three and a half quality starts every five games, which even with bad offense by osmosis, you should be able to win two or three of those five games. Yeah. You win three of five games of five games. That's sixty percent. Do the math on sixty percent. Yeah, you're. That's ninety. I think ninety six wins. You're at least giving the team a chance. A chance. Five, yeah, that's all you can. And their and their and their bullpen is either going to be good or great. They've got a couple of arms in the bullpen. The the guy who pitched on Sunday, who's pitched a few times, named Munoz. He struck out nine batters, nine batters in a row. Wow. That's the, the, incredible. Nine guys that he came up and over two games or yeah, something. Yeah. Struck them all out. Love it. Throwing 102, three miles Woo. an hour in the middle of the reef. They just have a pitching staff that just looks like, again, it could be, it can give, it can get riddled by injuries. Shit well, can happen. Yeah. But I uh, if they stay healthy, I can't see, I just can't see a situation where they're not in a race with that pitching staff. That's all I'm here. That to would say. be great. I would love It'd it. It'd be fun. It would be Well, really... they were in one last year. Yeah, that's true. They were. Now, you have a question. I do have a question yes. for you. What are we doing with Kelnick? I don't think there's anything to do right now with Kelnick. Is it just me or or is is he always trying to work on something? Yes, he is. He's he's somebody who hears it. Is he in his head? He he's in his own head. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm hearing that there are people at our stadium that are now razzing him, oh, which is not a That's, good thing for him. No. Because he seems like the kind of kid who kid, he's a grown man, but kind of guy who has rabbit ears, maybe. He does. Things affect him. Changing he's, things up. He's yeah. He's always I, working on something. It's a shame. I, I I don't know how it's going to end up. It's way too early to okay. even talk about it right now. Were they 10 games in or nine games? Whatever they're in. Yeah. He did hit one rocket on the road that was 114 mile an hour exit velocity. But yeah, I'm worried. I, I, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm worried. I don't want to, I don't want to sound worried because it's too early to sound worried. Right. But he worries me. Just his makeup. Yeah. And what they're doing now. People are jumping off the bandwagon a little bit locally. Uh, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll we'll worry about that. Okay, we'll keep an eye on that at least. Oh, yeah, no question. And I saw Julio Rodriguez catch. He had uh, had a great catch, like left center. He struck out an awful lot in yeah. the first eight or ten games. A lot of them unbelievable pitches. Some borderline strikes balls. He's gotten some bad calls. They've squeezed him a little bit. Oh, they have. Okay, yeah, but he's off to a tough start. But he just seems like, and I don't want to say this again too loud. He seems like the type of personality that can handle it. Gotcha. Maybe better than Kelnick's makeup. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm right about that. Yeah. 
but it's just something that's been on my mind. It's kind of why I was asking you if it feels like he gets up in his head like a bit of a head case and always working on something instead of just going out there and playing. Three interviews, Rick Neuheisel on what we're going to do with name, image, and likeness in the wake of this Josh Connerly story. Mary Ruland, all I'm telling you on that is listen to the interview. She's the mom of a former football player uh, who passed away prematurely. Listen to the story. And Rajiv Gupte, That's right. the owner and operator of Spice Fusion in the English town of Kent. Who could very well make my marriage difficult if my wife gets a hold of him. <laughs> I don't need that idea coming our way. And then we'll do other stuff because I got a billion things. There's a lot going on. Time for a visit from our mortgage slash football slash tournament expert. J-Flow, Jordan Flowers, the Kirkland branch of Cross Country Mortgage. How are you, J-Flow? I'm doing well, Mitch. It's crazy. Diaper dandies. It's amazing. (laughs) Diaper dandies is right. Between the birth of Barrett and now the tournament, I can't imagine there's a lot of work getting done over there. Any time for refis? Or phone calls? Oh, there's time for <laughs> refis. There's time for diaper changes. There's time for basketball. It's amazing. I'm the head coach of my son's baseball team. Oh. There's always time. Who does Barrett, who does young, how old is Barrett now? And who does Barrett have in his final four? You know, Barrett is five weeks old and he is a Duke fan. So Duke's winning it all for him. <laughs> Not for me though. Not for me. I have UCLA winning it all. And your daughter filled out a bracket? My daughter filled out a bracket. We called it Blakely's bracket busters and hers is busted already. She picked San Diego State to win it all. She's five. (laughs) All right. Lots of volatility in the stock markets. What has that meant for interest rates and your side of the world? Yes. So rates have been continuing to climb here recently um, as the Fed tries to get out in front of inflation, hopefully, and curb the long-term yield curve. So uh, right now we're seeing rates go up mid to upper threes on certain products and low fours. So overall, still great time to look at buying a home, especially in this market, and also great time to still be looking at uh, refinances, both cash out, consolidating debt, and there's still people dropping interest rates or getting out of, say, FHA and uh, conventional loans. So still lots of loans to be had out there. Let's say I'm buying a new house, Jordan, for a million bucks. I've got a great credit history. I'm looking at a 30-year fixed. What am I doing? Putting 20% down, 200 grand down? And what's my What's my monthly number through you guys? Yeah, pretty standard, 20% down for a jumbo loan. Um, You're looking in the upper threes, call it 375, give or take right now. We have five and 10% down options with no mortgage insurance on jumbo products too. So I would say the number you'd be looking at is somewhere around that 375 range. Beautiful. And how do I call you in between diaper changes and NCAA tournament games? Absolutely. You can reach me on the cell phone, 425 890-2957. We love J-Flow. He's a dad for the fourth time, ladies and gentlemen. Cross-country mortgage, Kirkland office, great partners of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Five-star tackle out of Seattle is the number one player in the state and a top 25 talent nationally. It's, it's the time now, man, so I'm, I'm shaking right now, but here we go. Shit. Going to the University of Oregon. Josh Connolly Jr., congratulations, officially official, an Oregon Duck and the hat to match. 
Well, truth be told, I'm really conflicted about the boom of name, image, and likeness in college football and basketball. On one hand, I'm happy for a guy like Josh Connerly Jr. and his rumored seven-figure promise from Oregon Boosters to leave Seattle for Eugene. But on the other hand, I'm good and worried about the game we love, college football, and where it's headed. Episode 187 continues with an off-season visit. We got him off the golf course from our buddy, Rick Neuheisel. How are you, Rick? I am wonderful, Mitch. And you did get me off the golf course. I've been having a blast playing with my boys. My son, Jack, broke 80 for the second time, which was a huge accomplishment. My son, Joe, fired a 62 here recently. And uh, I'm nowhere close to any of that. So, but I'm having a blast. Uh, But uh, it's great to be with you. Now, a lot of our listeners might remember that it was a year ago that Joe had a chance came down to the last hole of sectional qualifying. I don't think I want to say that he made a bogey on his last hole and then went into a, a playoff and <laughs> lost in a playoff for the chance to play in the U.S. Open. I'm assuming that when you get that close a year later, you want to try it all over again, right? He's going to go for it all over again, and uh, it was the most exhilarating and yet excruciating I'm sure. few minutes of uh, of my fandom. But uh, you, you, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So here we go again. So I figured before we get to the name, image, and likeness story, which I've asked you to talk about, I figured I'd be interrupting like a USFL team meeting right now. How how, <laughs> how are you not following? How is Rick Neuheisel not following up his mythical AAF title championship with one in the United States. Are you telling me even the USFL, couldn't you get you off the golf course in your offseason from CBS? I would love to tell you that I was too busy, that I turned down the lucrative <laughs> offer. Uh, but I didn't get the phone call from the USFL. Oh, but I'm wow. going, I, 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 have a, I have a theory rather than I'm just not good enough. <laughs> uh, yeah. The theory is, you know, I work for CBS. Oh, and this a is a entirely Fox operation. I see. So I'm going to go with that one, Mitch. Okay. And if it's okay, I'd like for you to go with it too. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> I, I, I actually prefer, hey, I'd like to play golf three or four times or five times yeah. a week this time of year. I can't be bothered with the football nonsense this time of year. I'd but, like to go with that. Even Well, I, I would go with that, except that this league is being played in Birmingham and I've got a number of pals in Birmingham with a number of good, good country club. Oh, yeah, there's some good couple, golf there. We know yes. about a couple of those. We know about <laughs> yeah. a couple of those. All right. So the new buzzword in college sports is collective yeah. collectives. They're popping up everywhere. I was just reading about the one, the new one in Tuscaloosa. So we've got something called division street collective founded by Phil Knight and former Nike executives to connect Oregon athletes with money-making opportunities. And they are behind, clearly, this Josh Connerly decision. The Rainier Beach offensive lineman, one of the best in the country, decides to say no thank you to Washington, no thank you to USC. Right. I'm, I'm going to Oregon, and it's being widely rumored and speculated that there was a incredible promise made. So I want to know what you think of these collectives and how is it different than just pay for play? It just seems like, Hey, here's what we're going to guarantee you come here and we'll give you this money. 
Well, I think we have to take a historical look at this. For a number of years, Mitch, the NCA had put aside a committee. Gene Smith, the athletic director at uh, uh, Ohio State, State, was on the committee. Bob Bowlesby was on the committee. There were a number of top, top people that were working in these committee settings, whether it was via Zoom calls or they were actually traveling to places, to try to figure out how to put some arms around the understanding that was clearly it was coming that kids were going to be able to profit from name, image, and, and likeness. They wanted to make sure that it had some, some parameters so that it didn't become what it's clearly become now, which is pay for play. While that was going on, the Alston case went to the Supreme Court. And this, that was a case with the NCA on one side, spending millions and millions of dollars to defend their definition of amateurism. Uh, against the preposition that they could restrict the amount of money they spent on educational resources. Okay. That decision goes to the Supreme court. The Supreme court ruled against it nine to zero. And basically imagine Michael Jordan coming down the lane with a ball in his hand and you're the lone defender. He's dunking on your head. That was basically what the Supreme court did to the NCA with respect to the Alston decision that then prompted Greg Sankey, Bob Bowlesby and others. We can't throw these rules that we've been working on now out there because they'll get dunked on too. So we now have laissez-faire. We've got a survival of the fittest. It's the wild, wild west. All these these terms have been used uh, widely in describing the, the scene that is now the NCAA. And when you couple it, Mitch, with the transfer portal, which had already taken hold, which allows for basic free agency in college. Now it says it's a one-time transfer, but anybody who really studies it knows that that wouldn't pass muster in a court of law either, you know, in terms of how many times you can transfer. If it's good one time, why isn't not a good, it's arbitrary. So they're going to be able to transfer whenever they want and for whatever they want. And so to get their arms around it because it can't be the schools that are making these deals. It has to be at arm's length. We now have alumni groups coming together and they're, they're blossoming at Florida. They're blossoming at North Carolina. I was with the tight end who used to be with the Seahawks, Deems May, who was telling me he was part of it in terms of building this big satchel of money. And I don't mean to make it sound like it's dirty money because it's not. People are just putting money into a pot and saying, okay, coach, tell me who to distribute it to. And in the case of this fine young guy from Seattle, Oregon wanted him. And Phil Knight and his buddies had the wherewithal to okay. put a lot in the uh, in the satchel, and he's off to Eugene. It's not good for college football. It's going to be who's going to stay up with the Joneses in terms of this money, and they are fighting right now hard as a entity of those who are trying to hold this thing together as to how to corral this this but, but kind of wild wild west. Let me bring back two things that you just said. Sure. That to me, they fight against one another. You said these collectives are to be at arm's length with the universities. Right. And then about 10 seconds later, you said. But at the direction of the that, coaches. That's yeah. right. So how, yeah, exactly. how do we define arm's length? That's not arm's length. That's pinky length. That's not we're, arm's length. We're that's being a- asked to look the other way 
as to how these how the decisions are being made as to who to offer. Of course, they're being told who to offer, but the coaches are staying away from the negotiation of the deal, but they are telling it's, it's nothing. It's no different than a salary cap, right? It's no different than a salary cap. You choose who you want to spend your money on and you then have to tell the others, there's not enough for you. That is exactly what's going on. Unless the collective is such unlimited, 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 unlimited. Unlimited. So let's go back to the original point, which I think a lot of us like me are struggling with because on one hand, These kids, you know, 99% of them never make a living going to the NFL. And so God love them. If if college football is bringing in billions of dollars, let's share it with these. So there's that part of it, which 100%. But then we love college football and you're painting a very scary picture of the next five years of college football. Rick, 100% you've hit the nail on the head, but here's the problem. We are making a billion dollars off this, just using the number billion. Obviously, it's multiple of that. We're making that money, but we're not using that money to pay the players. We are actually going back to the hand that feeds us, correct? the fans, and asking for more. Yes, that's right. It's an unsustainable model. What has to happen, and this is how I try to put my arms around it, as I send athletic directors, conference commissioners, all the administrators to a desert island and tell them you're not going to be released until you figure this out. Right. The only way this can be solved is to go back and say, look, we're going to give much like X X amount amount of the money revenue from the sports. We're going to give that to the playing factor, basically a player's union. And you're going to get this. And for that, we're going to have some contractual relationships with you that keep you on campus. It's just not a sustainable model if we keep players going here and there without any uh, obligation. And I tell you, the other little dirty secret about this, Mitch, is we have over a thousand players in the portal right now. They aren't guaranteed a spot to land. The promise of of a scholarship when I used to coach was that I may have misevaluated you and you may not be an all American and you may not even be a first string player where I'm coaching you, but you're going to get a degree right now. The coaches are using the portal as much as the players are to move people along so that they can create space for new players that might be better suited to their systems. With that being said, those kids that go in the portal think that there is always going to be a, a silver lining lying ahead, and there isn't always. And their education is not guaranteed, and there is what the NCAA is yeah. really going to fail. So this has to be part of the solution as well. I, I want to come back to the portal because I was going to ask you a couple questions about coaching, how, right. co- how coaching has changed as it relates to the portal. But before I do that, I don't want to put away the name, image, and likeness thing just yet because you say and I I think we all agree the best way the best thing that we could have happen is we go from this unlimited pool of money to x amount of dollars that we're taking from the revenue that we're giving back to the athletes and where there's no substantial competitive advantage how do we go from where we are now we've let the cat out of the bag how do we reel that in Mark Emmert says He says the problem, the biggest problem is, is that it's a state-by-state thing, that every state has different rules, regulations, and laws, and until Congress steps in and makes it a uniform uniform regulation and set of uh, laws and rules for all the states, we're going to have chaos. 
How do we go to how do we get to where you want to go? We already have this example, whether it be Major League Baseball, the NBA or the NFL. We have player unions. We have a collective bargaining agreement that says, here's what what, how much money you're going to get. And then they're like we have a scholarship limitation right now. That's nothing more than a salary cap. It's trying to create parity. So if we can create a salary cap for the student body, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. And here are your obligations. If you want to transfer, of course you can transfer. We had transfer rules in place, but compensation, health benefits all come with this. And uh, because the number we're not going to change, Mitch, is that only 2% of these guys are going to go on and make a living. Correct. So let's, let's let them make a living, but let's keep the game in, in, in such a way that we're, we, the fan are going to want to be engaged because it isn't just given to the very, very rich. And let's keep yeah. the fans out of it other than participating by watching and coming to the games. But it just feels to me like we needed to start that way. We should have, but nobody wanted to kill the golden goose. The golden goose was making too much money. And these athletic departments have proliferated beyond even imagination. Mm -hmm. In 1975, when Dick Vermeil was the UCLA head coach and got the offer to go to the Philadelphia Eagles, he was offered a little more than $100,000 to be the Eagles head coach. He was making $35,000 at UCLA, but he wanted to stay. So they went to the great athletic director, J.D. Morgan, and said, J.D., can you wiggle free of a few of those bucks and, and keep Dick home? And J.D. said, give me a day and he comes back. I've got an offer for you. And he went to 37.5. That's what he went to from 35,000 to 37.5. There were six people in the UCLA athletic department then. We now have hundreds of people in these athletic departments, many of which are just trying to hustle bucks out of their alumni bases. It's just, we're making enough money in this sport to pay for it. And we just need to calm the thing down, share a little of that wealth, and maybe shrink some of these departments. But it's hard to do that when you're asking the people making the decisions to shrink themselves. How is that that working for Congress right now? And it's also hard to do it when the toothpaste is out of the tube. Exactly. Because we've already said to these athletes, make whatever you can, make whatever you're worth. And now somebody's going to take it. If we try to do what you're saying, which I think is the right way to do it, which we should have done at the beginning. Right. These athletes are going to go to court and say, hold on a second. First, you tell us we can just make whatever our market value is. And now you're putting some sort of a nebulous cap on what we can make. That's a hard, that's going to be a hard, that's a hard court case. Even for a guy like Rick Neuheisel, the best attorney in Arizona. That's a hard court. That's a hard court case to win. It is a hard court case, but, we have precedent. We have leagues that are right. doing that. That's right. But we can also say it's illegal for these fans to contribute. Now, name, image, and likeness is still out there. But now you can create guardrails for name, image, and likeness that keep it from being a pay-for-play okay. opportunity. All right, let's go back to what you talked about, the transfer portal. And I think it's interesting how the job of head football coach of a college Division One program seems to me has changed since you were in it. I mean, Incredibly. So so there's two things that I want you to kind of expand upon, two, two elements of this. Number one, the activity in and around the transfer portal. It feels like the coaches are now spending more time recruiting the portal than they are recruiting high school athletes and trying to recruit their own players 
from going to the portal. And then the other part to this is, I'm throwing a lot at you, see if you can remember. You didn't worry, Rick Neuheisel at UCLA or University of Washington didn't worry so much about a first-year player or a young guy because of how difficult and time-consuming the transfer process was. He right. had to go transfer. He had to sit out a year. You didn't really worry about it. You put the guys on the field that were going to give you the best chance to win. Now, I'm not saying you still wouldn't coach that way, but now there's that extra layer of stress that you have of, okay, these are the 22 that give me the best chance to win, but these other four young guys are the future of my program. I can't afford to let those four guys not play a lot their first year and then go in the transfer portal because it's so easy to go somewhere else. So that extra layer of coaching, I would think, is a good reason why you're on the golf course and not having to deal with that anymore. And that's a, that's tough, right? Yeah. yeah well, you, you, you've, uh, you've touched on a number of subjects, so let's take them one at a time. Number one, the cultivation of the program that you're coaching currently. I always believe that you needed to make sure you had an arm around any player that you coached hard that day. You had to make sure that everybody's growing in the program, that they feel like you're coaching them. And that was something I got on my assistant coaches on all the time. When anybody said some called somebody by a number, I used to bristle. I wanted you to know their names. I want, cause it's important. This is a program that we're all proud of and one that we want to sustain. That is now more paramount than ever before. You have to coach hard, Everybody. but you, but you Everybody. have to Kirby smart. I heard talking on this subject says that's what he does on Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings used to be a time to relax before going in and looking at the film and looking at the, getting a cursory look at the next week's opponent. Now that morning is spent talking to any player who didn't play the day before getting on the phone and making sure they understand they're in the plans. Yes. This is what we've got going for you. More time spent on the practice field for players that aren't participating in games, what we used to call scout bowls and things like that. That's becoming more important. Otherwise you're going to lose guys because everybody is now subject to phone calls from third party people yes. who are sitting there. Hey, would you be interested? Cause they're looking for you over at XYZ university. Let me jump in before you go to the next thing. Is that enough? Are the Sunday phone calls enough? Because I would think a lot of guys would get off the phone with you and say, great. He called me on Sunday. I want to play. I want to yeah. go somewhere and play. And maybe coaches now have to consider, all right, I got to maybe not do what's in the best interest of this particular short term game and get some guys some snaps to keep them happy. But snaps is one thing. Success is another. You can't guarantee the success. And so the point is, you're working at it, but you're, it's, a, it's again, as we talked earlier, it's an unsustainable model. Your guys are going to get poached, as we're seeing all the time. Right. Now, what's important for those big-time programs is to get the right guys poached so that there's more room for people coming in. The next piece of this is how much time are you spending in high school recruiting, which was the right. absolute lion's share of what we did in the past, and how much time are you spending in the portal? With the proliferation of staffs, Mitch, you have the ability to do both. Nick Saban brought to college football this NFL model of a pro player personnel department, right? Analysts. We heard the term analysts, and it's, you know, 13 guys that all have head coaching or assistant coaching experience that are in his deal, not on the 10-man list right. of full-time assistants, but with that experience that are on the recruiting phones, that are not necessarily talking to players, but talking to coaches, working what kind of 
players are out there, some dedicated to high school, some dedicated to the portal. You have boards like war rooms that we call them in the NFL, where you walk in and you see all the scouting evaluation grades on the board. Now those all are there for not only kids that are currently playing and also kids that are in the high school ranks. And you're grading anybody that is playing on another team, not necessarily somebody in the portal, because it's one phone call to a third party, an old high school coach or an old seven on seven guy that says, hey, go to Johnny, see if Johnny's interested in jumping in the portal because we have a landing spot. Just recently, there was a great running back out of Penn State that put his name in the portal. And within a day and a half, he was at LSU. There's no way you did that evaluation Correct. in the amount of time that he spent in the portal. So Correct. that was already done, already preconceived and, right. and it's hatched. Poached. So all yeah. of that is happening right now in light speed. Now, as I say that, I'm kind of envious of the day and age in which we're in as a coach, because I could have fixed what was broken at UCLA much faster today than I could have and actually subsequently did while I was the head coach at UCLA. And I think I could still be there. I literally believe had I been able to bring guys back to city of Los Angeles who were uh, disgruntled yep. that weren't excited about what their yes. role was yes. as freshmen or sophomores. Yes. I could have gotten the third party phone calls and said, Hey, there's a spot for you back here. Move some of the guys on my team that were not necessarily what they were thought to be when they were recruited yes in other directions you know one way or another i could have gotten my team to be a much more effective team as mel tucker did at michigan state last correct, year correct more than 30 new faces at michigan state and he's now got a, the recipient of a contract that gives him 10 years at 9.5 per a 95 million dollar deal lincoln riley's got a collective at usc expect to see at least 40 new faces in Trojan uniform next year. And the expectation is he'll be back and running. That is all possible now. And for the fan, Hey, that's good news. But again, who's paying the fare right now, right now, college football fans are paying the fare and also kids who are in that portal, who got a scholarship to start and aren't going to end with one. real quickly. Should we change the transfer portal rules back? to either what they were or just make it more difficult for a kid to transfer or again, cat out of the bag. No way you can go back now. No way we can go back now, but I do believe that the university who's the kid left is still on the hook for the education until somebody else takes the kid. So in the current situation, you've now talked for the last 20 minutes about all the things that we need to do. We yes. need to fine tune. We need to reel it back in have some sort of regulation and try to figure the uh, on the on the pace though that we're going assuming not a lot of radical changes that we want that we've discussed that they're not coming what are we college football fans in for in terms of the haves and the have-nots the two or three great teams from each of the big conferences it seems to me that we're headed towards a huge separation between those two or three best teams from each conference and the bottom five of each conference. And those that believe that are also believing, as Dabo Sweeney articulated in kind of a get-off-my-lawn kind of way uh, just recently, that those teams, the haves, are headed for a super conference where they can, they can create 
the rules and regulations that kind of give them parameters, but they're all going to be haps and they're all going to be in this for the big money and willing to pay the big money. And that's where, and those that are not willing to play that game, not going to play the collective uh, game, those guys are going to be left aside. I'm okay with that. I'm not, I, I, I don't, like I know, I know all. you, I like you, that. you would like to see college football as we know it. And, and the only way to save that Mitch, or, and I'll, and I'll just say a couple of ideas. Number one, we need to expand the college football playoff so that we get more parity from a recruiting standpoint, more people, more chances and bites at the uh, apple. And I think that's on its way. It would have happened, but for the Oklahoma, Texas decision to go to the sec and everybody kind of creating a blockade of all business as usual. But I think that will eventually come. Secondly, I think that we need the bottom tier of these power five conferences they can't hide behind the cloak of, well, we're not ju- going to do that. We are going from another model and still take the television dollars that are being offered. You can't have it both ways. If you're going to take the revenue that's being produced by big time college football, then you have to try to play big time college football. You cannot sit there and say, no, we're going to take 80 million like a Vanderbilt and not change our facility. Right. You don't get to do that. No. And for that, I offer the idea like European soccer relegation. Let some of these Boise states and Appalachian states and these group of five programs that have proven that they can play at the highest levels uh, when given an opportunity gives them some of these resources if they're willing to spend the money necessary rather than letting these people take the money and not necessarily try. We have to create and then schedules have to be forcing the hand that we're not getting these games that are meaningless. And if we can get all that done, Good like I said, get, get all these decision makers <laughs> on a desert Island. They're going to, you know, they're going to beat kombucha for the rest of their lives, unless they get an answer for us. But the college football fan deserves better. No question. The only chance of all those things happening on that desert Island is if Rick Neuheisel gets his ass off the golf course in, well, there'll be a there'll be a golf course <laughs> on the island. I've, I've arranged for that. <laughs> okay. All right. The great Rick Neuheisel talking to us about what we need to do. Boy, I just hope that we're not. Maybe I'm just negative, Nelly. It feels like this thing's getting away from us, and it feels like the days oh, it's and age away. the days <laughs> and age of a guy like me when I went to Syracuse in the in the mid to late '80s. We had Don McPherson, and we had a chance. We were in the we were in the Sugar Bowl, number three in the country. We beat Penn State and Joe Paterno. That I, I can't imagine a game like college football without all of us every once in a while having a chance for our universe. And I feel like we're getting so far away from that right now. Like ninety percent of the schools are in the minor leagues. They're going to call it the minor leagues of college football, where we're just it's triple A game. I, I don't want that. No, I don't want that's that. Why, that's that's no why fun. we got to We Listen, when the fan money got involved, we called it cheating in the old days. When fan money got involved, you know, go yeah. water the lawn and it was automatic sprinklers or you, you know, all the summer jobs when yes. that let's 
pay them with the money and the proceeds from what we earn. And let's have a collective bargaining agreement with how much percentage and let's take care of these kids, but let's create parity. So we all enjoy the games that we all know and love. Rick Neuheisel of CBS. You go, you're going back to CBS. How many more on years? CBS? How many more yes. years you got? You're going to pick games better for us. Oh, I year? hope <laughs> I've got a ton of years left, but on this current contract, just two more, two more, any fine print that says, Hey, Get your act together with your picks for Mitch each week during the college football season or the CBS powers that be are going to come down hard on you. I am going to be hotter than Texas chili yeah. this, this coming fall. Just stay with me, ladies and gentlemen. Stay with me. Ride along with Rick. That There'll be bumper stickers. Ride with Rick. The best to you and your boys and your family and in particular Joe the next couple of weeks as he tries for the U.S. Open. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate it, my friend. See you now. Well, it's time for some humble pie. Normally, Katie Versio, senior financial planner, Evergreen Golf Call is back with us. Hi, Katie. Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having me. I'm ready to go better than one for three. What's the theme this week? So the theme today, it's a March market update. I'm sure you've seen there's been a lot of volatility in the market. I pulled some questions from our most recent podcast, the Evergreen Exchange. So that's a biweekly podcast that we put out that discusses investing, the economy and financial planning topics. So for those those of your listeners that are interested in listening to that podcast, you can find the Evergreen Exchange anywhere you listen. Very good. I love the Evergreen Exchange, which means I'm going to do very well this week. Question number one, I'm ready. So inflation numbers for February were recently announced. The highest rate of inflation since 1982. What was that percentage? Was it 6%, 7%, 8%, or 9%? Oh, I think it's 7 or 8. I'll go 7%. I'll go B. I was actually 8%, so 7.9%. You were close. You're in the ballpark down, there. Down. Yeah, so that's the highest number, almost 40 years. It's driven so much by commodity prices, the price of oil. We're all seeing that at the pump. So it's been gradually increasing for the last year or so, and, and these numbers are quite staggering. I'm 0 for 1. Question number 2 with Katie Versio. Many market indexes, like the NASDAQ, as well as some European and Asian stocks, are now in what's considered a bear market. So how much does the market have to be down for it to be considered a bear market? Is it down 15, 20, or 25%? I'll say 15%, Katie. Actually, 20%. So the NASDAQ is down about 20% now. And within that, about half of the names in that index are down about 50% from their one-year highs. So there's been a huge pullback in that area. A lot of different companies are down. So it's been a, it's been a really volatile year. I'm 0 for 2. I got one last shot, but I'm feeling good about question three. What do you got? So during times of market volatility, I spend a lot of time coaching clients about the importance of staying invested and remembering to buy low and sell high. So there was a study done where if you if you invested $10,000 into the S&P 500 20 years ago, that you would have returned about nine and a half percent annually. However, if you sold out and missed the 10 best days in the market, your return would have 
substantially suffered. Let's say you did that, you missed the 10 best days. What would your return have been annually? 5%, 6%, or 7%? I'm gonna say I'm staying with a 5%. That's right, yes. you got that one. Yeah, so I think it's pretty staggering to see that you know, if you would have just stayed invested, you would return about 9.5%, but if you missed the 20 best days of the year, you would have shrunk that return to 5%. So it really highlights the importance to stay invested and to stay with the strategy. And maybe even invest some more when it's down. Katie Versio. That's exactly right. We love Katie Versio. Evergreen Golf Call, the Evergreen Exchange, a bi-weekly podcast. Evergreen's been a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered, and Evergreen is everything wealth. Unfiltered. They only met that once, but these two professional athletes are now inseparable because a few months before he died, Conrad checked the organ donor box on his driver's license application. Welcome. And by sheer coincidence, the man who received his heart was none other than Rod Carew. In 2016, legendary Hall of Fame baseball player Rod Carew received a life-saving heart transplant and a kidney too, by the way. The eight-time All-Star, former MVP, seven-time batting champion. His life was extended thanks to a 29-year-old former NFL tight end who tragically lost his life way too young due to a brain aneurysm. It's an amazing story of courage and love and friendship. That young football player's name was Conrad Ruland, and his mother, Mary, is so wonderful enough to join us here on Mitch Unfiltered. Hi, Mary. Thank you for being here. Hi. Thank you for having me. We're real happy to be telling Conrad's story. And I really appreciate your willingness to tell the story one more time. So start at the beginning. Tell us about Conrad. Smart, athletic, caring. Give us a mom's perspective. Yeah, Conrad was... Uh... He was everything you'd want in, in, in a firstborn child. I mean, he was not only just, uh, you know, a great son, but he was a good big brother to his two younger brothers. So um, kind of like the, the heart, I guess you could say, of, of the family. You know, he was, he was, he was that mom and dad when, when maybe the, the younger guys didn't really want mom and dad to know what they were doing. And, you know, they would bounce things off of Conrad. And not that he was an angel, but he he knew right from wrong and he knew, you know, to keep his brothers on the straight and arrow and, you know, help them out as much as possible as well. He was very, you know, from a young age, very, very athletic, very uh, active, like so active that I used to put bells on his shoes. So I would know where the heck he was all the time because <laughs> he was just active and curious and, you know, which, which is a mark for, you know, smart, you know, he was uh, tenacious, wanted what he wanted and, you know, just, the way he got into, you know, football, he started that his sophomore year of high school and having never, having never played. And then wow. he, you know, rose to the top fairly quickly because he just had such a strong desire and such a, such a strong work, work ethic. And, you know, the effort was just incredible. Where do you get that work ethic from mom or dad? Um, a little bit of both. Um, my husband definitely, uh, his dad definitely is, you know, has, great work ethic for sure. You know, having to going through medical school and, you know, he much discipline, but both of us, you know, we both, uh, we both worked hard for everything that we've got. So the incredible twist here, Mary, is you went to pick him up from grade school one day and he got in the car all excited because he had just met his very first professional athlete. Tell us that story. 
Yeah, that was that was kind of a fun story. Um, he was going to St. John's Episcopal School, and uh, one day I guess they had a track meet, and so I guess Rod Carew went to go and watch his stepson perform in this track meet, mm-hmm. and so Rod talked at the at the. I guess there was a little assembly or something. And so afterwards, Connor went up and talked to him and he was real excited and he gets in the car and he's just eyes as big as you can imagine. And mom, mommy, mom, mom, I met a pro athlete today and you know, I want to be a pro athlete. And I said, I know you do. And the whole rest of the day, all he talked about was meeting Rod Carew. So it was like the highlight of his life at that moment. It was, it was just a really cute to watch and, um, you know, the, the, that he put, you know, I want to be a pro athlete. So he's always wanted to be a pro athlete. So, and he made it. He played tight end at Notre Dame. He played tight end at Stanford. Yeah, yeah. He played tight end in the NFL for the Jets. He caught passes in the NFL. He did have an, an injury or two that kind of halted his NFL progression. And then, Mary, in the spring of 2016, you tell the story of Conrad filling out his driver's license application. Is that what he was doing? And he asked you, he asked you a very serious question. Yeah, so um, Conrad's birthday was April 4th. And on April 1st, he came home and I had sent him, he was with the Baltimore Ravens at the time. And you know, the DMV always sends out driver's license renewals like really early. So I think we got this like in February and he was still in, in Baltimore. So I sent it to him and I said, honey, I'm sending you this form to fill out your driver's license, yada, yada. And I said, do it right away because your your license is going to expire. So anyway, he was home on April 1st and he was sitting there and he says, oh, mom, I forgot to fill this out. And it was just he and I home. And I said, honey, you better do that right now because you don't want to be driving on an expired driver's license. I said, that's not good. So he sat down in my kitchen, he's filling it out. And he got to the page that says, do you want to be an organ donor? And he looks up and he says, mom, do you think that I should be an organ donor? And I told him, I said, Conrad, only you can make that decision. I said, it's, it's a very personal decision and you have decided that decided that's something that you you feel strongly about and that's what you would like to do and he paused for a minute and he said mom are you one and I said yes I've always been one and you know I just think if I if I can't use my organs anymore give me a chance but if I'm not going to live if I could help somebody else why not and he hesitated for like a couple seconds he said I'm going to do it he said "I, I think it's the right thing to do so he checked the box, stuck it in the envelope, put it in the mail. And I just remember thinking, now this was April 1st. I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I hope it never comes to that. But, you know, I'm glad that he, you know, made that decision. Fast forward seven months and we had him home for Thanksgiving. And first Thanksgiving, he had been home in nine years because he was always on the team, but he had just had an ACL um, injury and he was waiting to be picked back up with either the Ravens or, you know, another team. He had Thanksgiving with us, and two days, the, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, he says he wanted to come and hang out with his brothers, and he said, I, I'm going to lift some weights before I come over because I feel like I've been eating Thanksgiving food and probably not the healthiest stuff. I'm going to lift some weights before I come over. So at about 10 o'clock at night, we get a phone call before he, – he was a night owl, so he, of course it was 10 o'clock at night. So he um, he talks to his brother, who was in medical school at the time, and he says – you know, I felt this click behind my left eye and I have a headache behind my, you know, on the left side of my head now. And my son says, well, I'm only a medical student. Let me talk, let you talk to dad who is a doctor. So my husband got on and, and he told my husband and my husband says, well, you know, the fact that you're walking and talking, it's probably not, but let's get you to the hospital and we want to rule out a brain aneurysm. 
and he was arguing, not arguing, but hesitating, saying, you know, it's Saturday after Thanksgiving, it's going to be so crowded. So he was kind of trying to put it off. And and so I said, Conrad, you could die from this. And he said, I said, yeah, you need to just go in and we'll meet you there. So by the time we got there, maybe 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes after him, we got in and he, he, already, he, he just looked scared to death. And he says, apparently I have a brain aneurysm and apparently it's very bad. They knew already. And so um, this was at Mission Viejo High School here, a local hospital by us, which has a very good neurological um, wing and everything in it too. But they said, this is nothing that we can handle. We either have to send you to Seattle or to UCLA or to Arizona where they really specialize in these. So of course we chose UCLA because it's here in our home state, not, you know, hour and a half drive. So they transferred him by ambulance the following day to UCLA and they were sending his tests all over the world to, to world renowned brain surgeons and people that deal with this stuff, trying to find the best way to tackle this very bad. It was in a, it was a bad one. He had two on the same line and it was, right in the middle of all of his speech, everything. It, it was right in the middle of everything, um, a bad spot. And it was, it was pretty big apparently. And so they sent it all over the world to see how they could help either go through, go with a coil or, you know, open up the brain or the best way. So that was like four days of that. And then on the fourth day, we're all sitting with him. I never left his side and, and we're in the room and he says, you guys, I'm kind of tired. Why don't you guys go and get something to eat? And then, you know, come back and we'll visit some more. So we, we walked down to a local restaurant by UCLA and we no sooner got there and the nurse is calling and saying something's going on, something's not right. So we basically ran back. And in that time, they already had him down in the surgery room. There was all options were off the table at this point. They had to open up his, his cranium and go in there and perform a brain surgery. So apparently it burst while the nurse was in there talking to him and she noticed he was acting different. And, and then he rated his headache higher than he ever had. And, and then he didn't talk anymore. And so they got him down in the, the surgery room and they performed a 17 hour surgery on him and he survived it, but he never, never regained consciousness. His brain just kept swelling and two weeks they, they worked on him. And then they finally just, they did a brain dead test on him and declared him brain dead. And that's when they decided to do the, uh, the, the transplants. So. Uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, my heart breaks for you and your family to hear the story. I've, I, I've read the story and I, I thought I was prepared to hear it from mom and I'm, I'm, you're never quite prepared to hear a story like that. I know that after the surgery, when he wasn't conscious, I, I think I read where you spent some of that time listening to that incredible heart of your son's. Yeah, it was the day that I knew what was coming. It was actually Monday, and um, the Baltimore Ravens were playing the Patriots, and he would have always, you know, he loved the Patriots. It was like a childhood team he loved a lot and loved the Baltimore Ravens because that was his team, and they were coming on Monday Night Football, and and I knew what was coming because the doctor said, you know, we'll have our meeting at you know 5:30 whatever and uh so I knew that they were that's when they were going to do the brain dead test so that day I just put my right ear on his chest where his heart is and I I held him um one arm behind his head the other one just holding his hand and listening to his heartbeat uh wow I'm sorry I was just listening to his heartbeat for the whole day until 
they had to pry me off of him and uh, they said, it's time for me to go. So I had to, you know, I just listened to his heartbeat that whole day. Yeah. Now you can listen to that yep. heartbeat in, uh, in the chest of, of one of the greatest baseball players of all time. If you don't mind, yeah. t- t- tell us, how did you find out that Rod Carew would be the beneficiary? Is it commonplace for families to meet? I don't know how any of that works, Mary. No, actually, when we were leaving Conrad for the last time, I kind of said, I said, listen, we would like to find out who, who receives his, his organs, you know, especially his heart. We would like to find that out. And we were told, well, it usually takes years, 10, five, 10 years, you know, most, and, and both the, the donor and the recipient have to be in agreement and they have to be notified separately by the organ donation company and yada, yada, yada. And they said, I said, I don't care how long it takes. I would like to meet the people that gets my son's, especially his heart. And, um, and then at Conrad's funeral, there were thousands of people there. It was packed stand. I mean, we couldn't even fit everybody in the church or at the cemetery. It was, it was incredibly so packed. And, uh, I don't know how many people came up to me and said, Mary, do you think it's Rod Carew? Do you think it's Rod? And I kept saying, why are people asking me about Rod Carew? This is Conrad. What, what is going on? Of course, for two and a half weeks, three weeks, I wasn't listening to anything. You know, I was in the, my son's hospital room, so I knew nothing about what was going on in the, in the outside world. Well, actually, his best friend, the one that drove me, drove him to the hospital, held me by the shoulders and said, Mary, listen, Rod Carew got a heart and a kidney from a 29-year-old out of UCLA on the same night that Conrad's donation happened. I think I was going to faint. I, I I just started to go down. He caught me. I was like, Oh my God. And I got the chills all over me. So something was telling me that this had to be. So that's how I kind of, and then I got home and I started looking at the internet and everything. And I, and then I saw the heart of 29 Rod Carew's campaign. I said, how does he already know that he has the heart of a 20? How does he already know? Because we're not supposed to know. Well, it turns out that he didn't know, but his campaign was called the heart of 29, which is, his number was 29, 29. that he wore. Yes, so talk about coincidences, right? You heard the name Rod Carew and you immediately, it's probably the first time you had heard Rod Carew's name in a long time. Yeah, it, it was. I used to go and watch Rod my, with my dad. We used to go and watch the Angels play. And I remember we both kind of liked, Rod, you know, we thought Rod Carew was a good guy and all of that stuff. My dad talking about it as well. And no, I hadn't heard Rod Carew since Conrad was in grade school. And I didn't really think about it it was but then when I heard that it was just like oh my goodness it has to be it has to be and then I was on a mission to find out if I could I didn't have his number or anything like that but we had a mutual friend actually the same friend that told me about this he got me in touch with somebody that had Rod or Rhonda's number and I called and left a message on their cell phone and said I think she saved the message, but I think it said something like, you know, this is Mary Ruland, and I believe your husband has my son's heart and left oh. kidney, and if you want to talk, you know, here's my number. And, you know, that was like one of the hardest calls I've ever had to make, and yeah. What was the conversation like when you talked to them on the phone? And then tell us about that first meeting with Rod Carew. Both of them were very excited and wanted to meet us as well, and so it was – uh Shortly before Easter of that year that we met, um, 
Rod and and Rhonda, they came over with uh, their two kids, Cheyenne and Devin, and they were they came and Devin's uh, now fiance. They were all here, and we got to listen to his heart again, which was the most poignant, incredible mm. moment. Mm. I think I just cried. Mm. Um, I didn't realize that. I don't know if anybody knows this, but I didn't realize it. But it sounded like really strong, and it sounded like what I remembered. And so I asked my husband and I, apparently the heartbeat is like a fingerprint. It stays with the heart. So the heartbeat is still the same heartbeat as it was when it was in Conrad's chest. Your heartbeat doesn't change, which I found really super incredible. And then um, we're big coffee drinkers here and I have, you know, like a really good coffee maker and everything. And it's just, you know, in the course of meeting with Rod and Rhonda and that, Rod says, Hey, Mary, can I, can I ask you a question? I said, absolutely anything. Cause I told him, I said, you know, your family now, this you're part of our family. And I still feel that way. He said, did Conrad like coffee? I said, Oh my God. Yeah. I was actually down in the, in the uh, cafeteria buying him a coffee. Cause they thought that might help his head, headache a little bit when he was at UCLA and I was, I was buying him coffee and I sent him a text. Sometimes the written word kind of strikes home more than just me saying these words to him. So I typed him something like Conrad, you're the most, you're the strongest, most incredible person. And I know you're going to beat this with the help of God. I'm going to be right by your side or something, you know, something like that. And he had the most incredible text back to me, mom, I'm going to beat this. God only sends his strongest soldiers to do his hardest work. And I'm a strong soldier and I'm not done here working yet. I can't wait to see where his will brings me. So that's kind of like the last text that he ever texted to me, which I found, you know, I read it later and it was like, wow, you know, so now I look at, I, I have a different arrangement with him now. Cause I, I told him I'd be right by his side. And, you know, cause I didn't know how he was going to come out of this brain aneurysm. It was such a bad one. I didn't know if he would be able to talk again or walk again, or, you know, we had no idea. And so I told him I'd be right by his side, but now I'm looking at it like a different arrangement. Like he's, he's getting his orders from, from the big guy. He used to call him the big guy upstairs. So he's getting his orders from him and kind of giving them to me, you know, to do these talks and to talk to people about, you know, different things. Like we just did a really big tennis slash pickleball tournament with an auction to, to raise money for some of the, the charities that he's, um, that we've opened in his name, like big brothers, big sisters and stuff like that. So I just feel him guiding me with these different, charity organizations that we're trying to do in his name and in his honor. An amazing story, Mary. I'm very moved. Yeah, thank you. It's often been said that that life's most cruel and unnatural twist is a parent losing a child. A parent burying yes, a I, child. Yeah. And I'm I'm wondering as we finish here, what's day-to-day -day life for you guys like? I hope you've been able to find some peace and happiness, but how is it different knowing that Conrad's heart beats strongly, like a Ferrari, I think you described it. Yeah, in, I said he's got a Ferrari yeah. in his chest, yeah. Is it soothing that you know that 12 minutes away, I guess by car, Conrad's heart beats in somebody else's chest? Yeah, it's it's comforting. It's, it's, uh, it's very comforting. Like um, Conrad's birthday was April 4th, so we just had his birthday. So this is a very emotional time anyway but to know that you know i know that rod's been there on his birthday before to to go visit him and just to say thank you 
And yeah, it's, it's very comforting to know that, that he's still alive in not just Rod, but several other people that he's helped. He's either saved their life or helped them in some way or another, which is what he did while he was alive. So it's, it's a very comforting feeling to know that part of him is still down here. Absolutely. And to know that I could always call up and say, Hey, you know, I need to hear my son's heart. Yeah. It's, it's a very comforting feeling for sure. Well, from all of us up here in Seattle to all of you and your family, Mary, I wish you all the very, very best, the best health for the rest of your family and peace and happiness. I I hope that you guys can smile day to day because this is, as we said, the most awful story of them all. I I don't know how anything gets worse than that. Thank you so, so much for uh, sharing your story and your son's story, keeping Conrad's memory alive here with us here on the show. Exactly. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Time for a visit with Dan Black, the president of Zeke's Pizza. It's springtime at Zeke's. How you doing over there, Dan? Yeah. Hey, Mitch. Yeah. Springtime's fun because our patios are opening up. And so it's always fun to drink beer and eat pizza on a nice patio on a nice day. And so there's more of that going on all the time. And it's fun. Would you say that most of your locations have outdoor seating? Not most of our locations, but certainly most of our full service restaurants, which we call pizza pubs. So, you know, if you're going to a Zeke's that's got a full bar, spirits, craft beer, all that stuff, there's likely to be outdoor seating. And you guys continue to grow like a weed. We've talked about Spokane a little bit. We haven't spoken of Mill Creek, White Center coming soon, and and a couple of more. Tell us about those. Yeah, Spokane opened. We talked about that a little bit. Mill Creek opened and is doing well. White Center's coming up really soon. And then beyond that, we've actually got three more that are reasonably close. We've got Seward Park, Renton, and Duval in that order. And, you know, more deals coming all the time. And you're hearing from Mitch Unfiltered listeners I'm hearing through the grapevine? Yeah, that was pretty exciting. We, we've we actually got a couple of leads, no deals closed yet, but specifically that came from Mitch Unfiltered oh, and wow. heard about us there, which is obviously a huge stoker, but I'm a little bit worried that my invoices <laughs> are going to go up now. They are going to go up. They are going to go up. <laughs> but I, think, I think that I've decided... When I don't go with original cheese, like my mom's favorite, Cherry Bomb is my fave on the Zeke's Pizza menu. Where is it in, in the in the pecking order? Well, first, we still got to get your mom up here sometime and cut it into squares for her like she's used to it. Is it Camille's? You or? got it. Camille's, yeah. yeah. Um, in Florida. But you're not alone on the Cherry Bomb. It's definitely one of my favorites, and it's outside of cheese and pepperoni, probably the most popular one and it's certainly the one people talk about the most so yeah cherry bomb is cannot go wrong with that one what are you drinking these days from zeke's yeah this time of year i kind of transition you know we order a lot for delivery and i i use zeke's for my grocery store for beer we have better beer than you can get at the grocery store so when i order i just i order enough for the next couple weeks and stuff that i can throw in the cooler and stuff like that i'm really excited for you guys you've been a great partner back in the radio days and now with unfiltered zeke's pizza homegrown in the northwest Unfiltered. We'll call it digital detox. Some restaurants are so fed up with cell phone disruptions that they're asking customers not to use them at the table. The idea is to cut down on distractions so that diners can connect with each other. Our next guest provides a little international flavor to Mitch Unfiltered. He's the operator and owner of a restaurant in Kent, England, of all places. It's called Spice Fusion. Now, he himself is vacationing in France, which is where we find him today. Rajiv Gupte 
is with us. Rajiv, welcome to the show. Where exactly are you in France? Tell us about that. Uh, so, Mitch, I'm in my holiday home in Normandy, mm-hmm. which is uh, about an hour and a half south of the landing beach, which uh, many of your listeners may be familiar with. And you are familiar with our neck of the woods here in Seattle, did I hear? I am. I've been there a few times. I used to work for a U.S. and a U.K. defense contractor, and I've been to Seattle many times. Like it? A little cold for me, but loved it. <laughs> Before we hit upon the reason that we asked you to join, give us the story. Uh Give us a sense of what Spice Fusion is, the genre of the restaurant, the menu, the prices. Yeah, so so the restaurant has been, it's an Indian restaurant, so uh, a sort of Indian Bangladeshi cuisine. It has been in that location since 2008, and I bought this in 2018, in January 2018, so I've been there four years now. And I've come from outside of the industry. I've never been in hospitality, never been in catering. I cannot cook, or at least I can't cook commercial cooking, but invested in it. And uh, the first year was very tough. And years two, three, and four, we're just getting stronger and stronger. Even through lockdown, we managed to do what you call takeout, what we call takeaway. Mm -hmm. And we did very well with our takeaway business. And we've got a very good reputation in the community as well as for our food. So I'm enjoying it. uh, And we're forever trying new things all the time, new ways of engaging with the community, new items on our menu, um, and new new ways of engaging with our customers. Yeah, so the menu is uh, a typical Indian menu. So there's always lots of uh, tandoori dishes for the for the starters. So these are the things that go in the 300 degree centigrade oven, chicken, chicken tikka, lamb tikka, and so on. And uh, and then a t- typical traditional Indian restaurant fare for mains, jalfrezi curries and bunas and madras and patia and so on. Prices typically. I would say a family of four would come in on a weekday. They can maybe spend £20 a head. So I don't know what the dollar rate is at the moment. So maybe $28 or so. Okay. On the weekend, the spend is higher uh, because it's, you know, people will drink and take more alcohol on the weekend. <laughs> so maybe £35 a head on a uh, on a weekend. So okay. Okay. maybe like $45 or so. Let's get to yeah. the reason why I call. So if my family... Uh-huh was to wind up at Spice Fusion in Kent, England. Of course, dinner would be on the house. But let's just say <laughs> let's just say that you and I don't know one another. Uh, we'd have the opportunity as a family to save 20% on our tab, correct? Tell everybody yes, here in our audience why and how we would save 20% on our tab at Spice okay. Fusion. So the, the, the nuts and bolts of it is, if you as a family are prepared to put your mobile phones, we call them mobile phones, you call them cell phones, into a phone jail, it's a plastic cage with a tiny little padlock on it. Uh, if you're prepared to put your phones in the cage and lock it up, we'll leave the cage on your table and you enjoy each other's company as well as enjoying our food, then we will give you 20% off of the food bill. <laughs> How, and that's simply how it works. Uh, now, can I see my phone? Are there bars? Is it plastic? Can I see that my phone is okay? It. You can see. It. You can see. It. You can see it. if it lights up. You might get frustrated because you got a message from your mom or something. But if it's your child minder, I'm sure you'll see it. And what we said is, look, you know, you've got access to your phones. If you if there's an emergency, you need to call somebody, or somebody's calling you about the kids you've got back at home, then that's fine. Take okay. your phones out. Okay. Okay. But it's the principle 
of, hey, you know what, put these things away, enjoy the food, enjoy some social interaction, enjoy some human interaction, because I think we are missing that. About three years ago, we had uh, a, we opened at lunchtime specifically. We don't normally open at lunchtime on a Sunday, and uh, it was a party from a church, and I didn't know what church or denomination they were. And all 40 of them came in. Uh, I realized fairly quickly they're Jehovah's Witnesses. And that's fine. They came in. I didn't know whether Jehovah's Witnesses drink alcohol or not, but the first glass of wine went, and I'm happy to be open. Anyway, they sat down, had a set meal, their starters came out, and when their mains were coming out, I'm looking at 40 people, and it took me some while to realize not one of them had their phone out. Not one. And the place was buzzing with conversation. They were talking about the food, and they were talking to each other and sharing stories. And I thought, that's beautiful. And if I fast forward to, let's say, three weeks ago, grandparents, parents, children, they've come in for dinner, the six of them, and who's on the phone? Not the kids. No, not mum and dad. Grandma. Grandma's got the phone down. Grandma's, grandma's digitally connected to the world, and she's ignoring everybody else and, and having a great time on her phone. So now fast forward to, it must have been February this year, my chef and his wife, they're Bangladeshi, and his, their three beautiful kids, they went out to, um, to the east end of London for, for some food. And the place they went to had this had this thing going on. And he came back and he said, we should do this. Yes. We should do this so that people enjoy my food. My food's the best food. I want them to enjoy my food and not spend time on their phones. I said, great, let's let's do this. So we, um, ah. we launched it a few weeks ago. And, and, uh, uh, and here we are today talking how, about it. How's the promotion been received in the first two weeks? Lots of media coverage, people talking about it? Lots of media coverage. So when we launched it on our social media pages, we got lots of probably more engagement than any other post. That this is a great idea. Oh, I love this. You know, I hate it when I go with my friends and they'll pull their phones out. So lots of good social media engagement. Fantastic news coverage. <laughs> you know, we've never we've done a lot of tremendous things in the community. For example, we cooked eight thousand meals for um, disadvantaged and vulnerable children a year ago. Yeah. Um, that got a little bit of coverage, and we got you know we got some good stead for that. But um, this has really caught the media's attention, <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, so it's going well. So um, if we do this every Monday. You can't just you know come in and take a table and, and get twenty percent off your bill on a oh on it's a just on Friday Monday. It's just, oh, just, on just Monday. Monday. Yeah. Just Monday. Just, oh. just on Monday. Okay. Now let me ask you yeah. a couple. Let me ask you a couple follow up questions. I didn't realize it was just Mondays. Okay. I, first of all, to say that I love this idea, I'm going to tell you a story about something that happened to me in the last week mm -hmm. in a second. But who keeps – couple questions. Who keeps the keys, you or us? Uh, you keep the keys. Okay. How do you keep us from paying a conjugal visit between the appetizers <laughs> and the main course on a Monday? How do you keep us from doing that? Uh, so I don't follow your question, Mitch. Explain that to me again. How do you keep us – from paying a conjugal visit to our phones between the appetizers oh, and the main course. I, if we cheat. I, I, so, so, so Monday is typically, well, Monday is typically a quiet night, okay? And I've okay. got eyes like a hawk. <laughs> but, you know, by the time you found the key, by the time you fiddled with this lock, which is the size of your thumbnail, I, I'll, I'll be all over you. Uh, and I'll be wanting to know why you're getting your phone out. And if you say to me, hey, you know, Rajiv, I've got to ring my childminder. 
She's at home on their own. You know, the boy's got a temperature and uh, <laughs> I want to see how that's absolutely fine by okay, me. Okay. But if you're just sitting there flicking on your screen, sorting out your emails, you know, when's your producer going to publish your next podcast? I'm going I'm to know straight away. <laughs> <laughs> so my my birthday was this last week. And I oh, asked, congratulations. And I, thank you. And I asked my family to leave their phones in the car when we were at dinner at the restaurant. And it, it was met with not thrilled looks, as you might imagine. But I can't tell you, yeah. and, I, and I believe in their hearts, they believe so too. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed that particular dinner more than just about mm. any, any. It's funny yeah. because inevitably something comes up in the conversation where the phone is needed to look something up or to check a schedule or a calendar. Uh, what percentage mm. of the diners on Mondays would you say are taking you up on the deal? I, I would say if we have 10 tables in, probably one or two are taking oh, the deal. Wow. So 20% off is not enough. Not enough on Mondays to get eight or ten out of t- eight out of ten to, to, to put their phones away, huh? It's not enough. I, I think uh, from a from a marketing standpoint, I think we, we, we have another little issue, which is we, we do a very, very good deal Sunday to Wednesday. Uh-huh. We call it two dime for 25 and two people for 25 pounds, which is just pushing $30. You get, uh, you get a drink, you get a poppadoms and chutneys, you get a main meal and a side dish. And it's such a good deal. People are looking at it and thinking... 20% and give my phone away or do I just take the two for 25 and I think our offer is such a long standing and such a good offer I think this it's the 20% discount for the phones is having to battle with it what's the future of this regime is this going to be for good now on Mondays do you see yourself ending this promotion do you see yourself expanding it to other days or other lunch hours uh I don't know. So we currently we don't open at lunchtime, but it's an option. It's something I'm considering for Sunday. Um, Do I extend it? I think we need to. It's early days, yeah. It's been a couple of weeks, Mitch. Let's see how it gets taken up. From a purely marketing point of view, if people are talking about the restaurant, then that's great. Hey, you know, who would have thought yesterday that I'd have reached Seattle today in this new story? <laughs> so it's great that people are talking about Spice Fusion and, you know, and there's a guy in Seattle who wants to come and visit me. That's fantastic. <laughs> but let's just see how the offer, let's just see how the offer goes. And, uh, you know, if it's popular, you know, we'll push it even more than we are now. Um, and maybe we take our two for dime for 25 off on the Monday. Uh, or extend it to other days. Let, let's see. It's very early days yet. Okay, last but, uh, question. Well, I'm really pleased about people are talking about us. Last question for you, Rajiv. Let's uh-huh. just, let's assume that we ended up in a phase where people stopped using their their phones, their mobile phones at restaurants during during meals. What would be the tangible impact on a restaurant in terms of ambiance? It would obviously be louder. People would be talking. It'd be more energetic. Yeah. Do you think? Do you yes. think long long run it would just make it would make the restaurant ambiance better? A hundred percent, because I've experienced that with those with that group of forty people that came in. I've experienced that when we have um, charity nights. Uh, we had a we had a charity fundraiser dinner on the twenty fifth of April to raise money for Ukrainian people. We raised six thousand pounds in one evening, mm-hmm. but it, people were there because they wanted to help us raise 
raise money. And the atmosphere was very different. You know, we had a, we had a guy singing as well, but the atmosphere was different. People were engaged with each other. They were talking. They were drinking. There weren't many phones about. So I know the atmosphere and the ambience changes. If we do see a quiet night. And we do see, you know, five or six tables and everyone's on their phones. We turn the music up so that if they do have to say anything, they say it loudly, they put their phones away. So we've got ways of, we've got ways of controlling, controlling the environment. Yeah. Um, but for sure, to answer your question, Mitch, I think that the atmosphere changes. And you know what? I feel some people come to dinner at our place and it's, it's a transaction and it's a function. Mm-hmm. You know, those people that are using their phones it's like they're going through a process of going out for dinner. When people are not using their phones, they're soaking up the environment. They're people watching. They're talking to the people on their table. They're looking at the food. They're engaging with the food. They want to grab hold of me and say, you know, this is a fantastic dish. Can you tell the chef that I love it? Yeah. So I think that, you know, the engagement with not just the people you're with, but your engagement with the food, your engagement with the environment, it is much better. And hey, you know, we're social creatures. Uh, and in many cultures, sitting down together and eating meals together is something that's happened for generations and still happens. You know, here in France, on Sunday lunchtime, if I were to walk through our village, I would see no cars and nobody on the streets. But what I will hear as I walk past windows that are open in the summer is families having lunch together and talking together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just beautiful. Yeah. Well, his name is Rajiv Gupte. The name of his restaurant is Spice Fusion. Listen, everybody, if you ever get to Kent in England and you're there on a Monday or any other day, go in and visit him. Go in and visit Spice Fusion and ask for Rajiv and tell him that Mitch sent you, okay, all the way from Seattle, Washington. It's great to visit with you, Rajiv. All the best to you and your restaurant and your vacation in France. Thanks for being on Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you so much for inviting me. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, the owner of Fireside Home Solutions, J-Dub, John Waterstrat. Welcome back to the show, John. Thanks, Mitch. Great to be back with you. John, the pandemic, the shipping challenges that come along between fireplaces and garage doors, which you do so well, the Seahawks, the Huskies. It's been a tough go recently, J-Dub. It has been a tough go, and I probably speak for some of those sports fans out there. It's been a rough year. <laughs> That's our stress reliever, I think, in the Northwest <laughs> to see those Seahawks do really well and my beloved UW Huskies. But, uh, hey, we're getting through. We're managing through. For me, the fireplace unit, the garage doors, one thing. You've got great ones. Your competitors have great ones. The difference to me is in the process and service, and I know because I'm a customer. People have no idea. Walk us through what happens after someone decides that they want a new fireplace and they call the Fireside Home Solutions team. Yeah, we just talked a little bit about the stress, right? Sports have been tough. Pandemic's been tough. And, and we really believe in this stress-free buying experience. And, and again, you pick your product out. And what we want to do is just like what we did with you guys is we 
want to send somebody out there, an expert to walk you through the process. Let's make sure everything is going to fit. Make sure you guys have your questions answered. Instead of having an installer there that doesn't quite know what to do, we don't have good expectations and get that stress-free Brian experience. And again, make sure that they can do their work and you can get what you want. We absolutely love our new patio and setup. What's the current time frame that the pandemic has thrown at you guys for garage doors and fireplace units? Uh, we talked about this in the past. Please talk to your sales rep about what we have in stock. If you need something fast, we're going to have things in stock, both fireplaces and garage doors. Other products, if you're patient and you really want something, we have things that are taking four weeks, sometimes eight weeks, and you wouldn't believe this. We actually have some garage doors that are taking anywhere between oh. nine and 10 months. Wow. That's unbelievable. So patience is truly a virtue. As I said, we're a great customer. We love them. They're the title sponsor of the Beat the Boys competition and an awesome partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Hey, let's change gears and get the uh, the CEO of Daniel's Broiler, Lindsey Schwartz, on Mitch Unfiltered. Find out how Easter weekend went and a big weekend is coming up in May. Lindsey, how you doing? I'm doing great, Mitch. Yeah, it was uh, a great weekend for Easter. Always a really busy day for us, a really busy Sunday. And now we're getting excited about Mother's Day. So we like rankings on Mitch Unfiltered. All sports show like statistics and rankings and power polls. What I want to know is, where does Mother's Day, what is it, May 8th this year, Sunday, May 8th, Mother's Day, in terms of power rankings, where does Mother's Day weekend rank for weekends throughout the season, throughout the year for you? Well, I can tell you as far as power rankings, the Sunday is for sure the busiest Sunday of the year. That really? would be number one. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, the weekend is a good one, but it's, it's really heavily concentrated on Sunday. What's the biggest weekend of the year then? I would say in December, it, it's the couple of weekends before Christmas. That's when people are having holiday parties or just getting out to celebrate. So, yeah, the month of December is a great month for us. And those two weekends right before Christmas are the biggest. And does Lindsay Schwartz's mom go to Daniel's Broiler? Now, be honest, every Mother's Day. You know, Mitch, she goes there every Thanksgiving because yes. you, uh, you, yes. you got to meet her there. Yes. Sometimes we do on Mother's Day, but our big thing with her is, is actually Thanksgiving at Daniel's. And when Lindsay Schwartz's mom, who I'm sure is a big listener of Mitch Unfiltered, when she goes to Daniel's Broiler, what does she get? Same meal every time or does she change it up? My mom gets the same thing every time. She gets the salmon. And I'll tell you something interesting. My mom is actually a, a pescatarian. She doesn't eat red meat. Oh. But one of the cool things about Daniel's is we make sure that we have something for everybody. As, as we've talked about, we've got a great vegetarian menu. And we always have a really good salmon selection. That's what she gets. Tell us the schedule. What do you do special on Mother's Day Sunday? Is there anything we need to know? We just have a special uh, hour. So just like Easter, we open early on Sunday. Easter and Mother's Day are the days we open early on Sunday. We open at noon at the Lake Union location and Bellevue location and at 11 at Leshai. And does she listen to the show? I'll tell you what, she does listen to the show. Stop but it. the reason is she wants to listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know about your other listeners, but, no. but my mom listens so that she can hear me. See, That's I what she loves about the show. But I will tell you this. She tries to listen to the whole show, but, but she did tell me she thinks you talk too much about golf. And she's, <laughs> not, uh, she's not a big fan of that. So that that's a little feedback for you. Uh, Daniel's Broiler for Mother's Day, May 8th. It's a big weekend. If you can't get reservations for the actual Sunday, May 8th, of course, Friday night, 
Saturday night. It's a great weekend where we celebrate all the moms out there, and Daniel's Broiler is the number one place to do it, a world-class steakhouse. Episode 187, and here are the rules for the other stuff segment. Okay. We got to go fast through these stories. Oh, I just pulled up my longest one. <laughs> you can do a lot of them, but let's not let's not stay on each topic too long. Otherwise, we'll be here until next Easter. This okay? is or the I, end of Passover. I just want to make sure I get this story. It's unbelievable. A missing California teenager with autism remarkably has been found safe in Utah after his family had been on a two-year search. Can you imagine you lose your son at 17, never to be seen again. 19-year-old wow. Connor Jack Oswald went missing when he was 16, and his family's been searching for him ever since. Park City, Utah locals spotted him pushing a shopping cart around the area recently, and deputies have encountered him, but say never showed any signs of aggression or criminal behavior, so they just kind of left him alone. But somebody had a hunch and said, let's see if this kid's on the missing you know, on the mm. missing person's list. Didn't have any ID on him. They did the fingerprint, boom, and now he's reunited with his family. Incredible. All's well that ends well? That's right. Hmm. Two years he's been missing. You, you asked about um, Baker Mayfield. Here's, yes. here's one article that I read in the last couple of days. As the Cleveland Browns quietly and unofficially wait and hope that some team will match their asking price for quarterback Baker Mayfield roughly one month after they landed star signal caller Deshaun Watson from the Texans, teams such as the Seattle Seahawks understandably aren't willing to, quote, give up too much for the 2018 first overall pick in the draft, who is now surplus to requirements in Cleveland, but who is also owed a fully guaranteed salary next year of $18.9 million for 2022. This article states that teams like Carolina and Seattle are just laying in the weeds, okay. interested but not willing, until they come down on what their asking price is for compensation, not willing to do it but still very much in the game. Well, that's good to hear. Bit Is it? Well, for me, yeah. Baker I, Mayfield, I think there's still a relatively decent chance that Baker Mayfield will be a quarterback for the Seahawks next year. Really? I think there's a decent chance. I, I would feel pretty good about that. You would? You like him? I don't know if I like him, but compared to what they have now, <laughs> I mean, at least he's got, got potential. Number one overall pick a few years ago. Give him DK and who's the other guy starts with an L? What's his name again? You yeah, don't like him. no, I, I like him. I'm just joking. Speaking of the Panthers, you see what Cam Newton said on a podcast? What? Do, oh yes, not good. Do you have this or no? Is this, not, it's not one of my stories, but go ahead. Well, apparently he believes women should cater to a man's needs, saying his ideal partner should know how to cook yes. and when to be quiet. Yes. And yeah, he's now facing a little backlash for that. He said it on Barstool Sports Million Dollars Worth of Game podcast this week when he opened up about being raised in a household by his mother, father, and grandmother. Newton said his experiences at home helped him understand the difference between a, quote, woman and a, quote, bad bitch, explaining he believes the latter is not something women should strive for. Stay with me. Quote, a woman for me is handling your own, but knowing how to cater to a man's needs, Cam said on the pod. I think a lot of times <laughs> when you get this aesthetic of like, I'm a boss, bitch. I'm a this, I'm a that. No, baby, but you can't cook. You don't know when to be quiet. You don't know how to allow a man to lead. That's Cam Newton, everybody. And people can say, well, maybe, but you forget in 2017, remember he was criticized for laughing at that re female remember. reporter? Do I remember? Yeah. Is there ever anything that he does on or off the field that's likable? Yeah, right. I mean, has he ever done one thing on or off the field? There's the accident that he got into. Yeah. There's the the tirades with the reporters. Yeah. There's the the comments on and off the record. There's this. H has there ever been a moment 
where you said, boy, he seems like a likable personality. <laughs> right. Answer is no. For, I'll give you the answer before we move on. For those that don't remember, in 2017, he said to a female reporter, it's funny to hear a female talk about routes. Because she had Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So this this probably is who he is more so than he of just. Course yeah, it is. It is of course it is. is. So there you go. Uh, where are you on Dodgers manager Dave Roberts pulling Clayton Kershaw <laughs> after a seven inning perfect game, 80 pitches into a start in April last week? Well, it's Piper and I were actually discussing that in the car driving yes. around Arizona. I told and what'd her. What did you decide in Arizona? I, I said, I think maybe it's so early in the season. Do you want him going nine well, innings? Well, that's the idea. Yeah. So injury prone the last few years, getting up in age. Yep. You've got huge dreams if you're the Dodgers. You got huge goals that he's a major part of. And he hasn't had the greatest postseasons. No, he hasn't. As a player, right? And there's been, a, but, but on the other side, I think there's only been about 25 or 27 perfect games in the history, yeah. the hundred and so, some odd year history of Major League Baseball. But it's not the manager's job to do cool things for the fans, like have a perfect game thrown. How about cool things for him? I think baseball is, takes that stuff a little too serious. I mean, really? You, you try to win the game. You want to win playoff games. I mean, do, a perfect game. How does that help you in October? Does not help you in October. It sure doesn't. So if the manager thinks maybe we okay. got a, a little load management, then that's, that's so. Then you've then, then you've given us your opinion. That's my opinion. That's yes. your opinion. You're sticking to it. How about you? I agree wholeheartedly. Do you really? Yeah, it's not very fun to agree, but, <laughs> but I, see I do. People saying it should be a it should be against the law to pull a guy. No, 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 no. You're trying to win a world championship. I'm right with you. And especially him. Yes. He's gotten banged up, you know, not Always banged up. Hurt. Oh, yeah. 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 When the postseason comes, yeah, he's yeah. not the yeah. Kershaw that and, they And at for. least you got to like him, whether he agrees with what the manager did or not, deep down, what he's saying to his wife behind closed doors, we don't know. Yeah. But he did come out and say, fully support his decision. Okay. Happy to have come out. Well, not happy to have <laughs> right, come out. Right, but never happy. Understand, and it was the right decision. So he diffused any kind of hate Good. right away, even though he's probably at home going, son of a bitch. Well, he's a guy. I could have thrown a perfect game. Yeah. He had 13 strikeouts through seven innings. That's pretty and good. He had not allowed a base runner. That's pretty good. But he's a guy who got paid, right? I mean, he's. Oh. Right. So he's. it's not like, well, I can add this to my resume. I'm in a contract year, you know. You know that Clayton Kershaw went to the same high school as Matthew Stafford in Texas. Okay. And who also went to that high school, your, your stump the band question, okay. is the newly minted Masters champion, Scotty Scheffler. Scotty Scheffler, wow. Matthew Stafford, and Clayton Kershaw all went to the same big high school in Texas. And in, in Stafford and Kershaw's case, I believe they played both like baseball and football together. Oh, I think I saw a picture of them in Little League. That sounds right, too. I think they played. But I like, think they played high school ball, yeah. both football and baseball. That's together. right. They yeah. they grew up together playing baseball. And boy, that that high school putting out athletes, two out of three. Yep. NBA legend Dennis Rodman was feeling extra generous out, outside a strip club in Florida this Who? week. You heard of Dennis Rodman? Yeah, I have. He pulled out a brick of five hundred one dollar bills. I'm holding up my fingers. You know, yeah. five six inches thick. Yep. And handed it to a woman with a disability who was outside the that's club. Nice. Hey, Dennis Rodman takes plenty of shit in his life and probably for good reason, but yes. how about him handing $500 to a woman in a wheelchair outside a strip club? I love that story. How about the fact that he had $501 bills on him at the time? Well, he's going to a strip club. What do you think he's bringing? Does he need 500 of them? You got to make it rain, man. You got to make it rain. See, like if you told me who's a better dude internally, like like all things considered, who's just why, who's a better person, Dennis Rodman or Cam Newton? Yeah. 
Which would you say? A better person? Jesse, I mean, who, who, who's more likable? Which one of those two guys? I mean, I I like Dennis. I know how he grew up. I've always kind of felt sorry for him, and I feel yeah. like he's troubled. So, yeah, I would go okay. with Dennis. Nestor Cortez, you ever heard of him? Mm, sounds really familiar. He did something very, very rare on Sunday for the New York Yankees. He's the left-handed starter okay. for the New York Yankees. I think it was against the Baltimore Orioles. What did he do on Sunday, the day that we record this, this podcast? A perfect game. A perfect inning. Oh, an immaculate inning. Oh. Rarely happens. What is an immaculate inning? Nine pitches? Nine pitches, nine wow. strikes, three strikeouts. Does a f- foul ball, does that count? It, it, one of them was a foul ball. I okay. think one or two, yes. Not a nine-pitch, wow. three-strikeout inning. It doesn't happen very often. He struck out 12 guys in five innings, which means he only got three outs in five innings that weren't strikeouts. Right. I, 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 and I, I, I think he may have lost. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, come on. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. You know the name John Hinckley? He's on tour. Why, yes, he is. For I some your reason. Thunder. Yeah. I, have you seen the pictures of how excited he is? I mean, I, just the whole idea that he's on tour with a guitar is straight. Isn't he worried? Well. Isn't somebody going to shoot him? I, maybe, but I know that like the Reagan Foundation, the Re- the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute are not happy about it. I can tell. You. For those that don't know, uh, what was his name? John Hinckley Jr. John Hinckley Jr. tried yeah. to kill, assassinate the president. When 80, sure 80, 81, right around there, I think it was nineteen eighty one. Yeah, anyway, about right. He's now it going. Day, it was the day of the national championship game in Philadelphia. But that's right. It was nineteen eighty one, but he was subsequently acquitted by reason of insanity. Well, correct. He has an upcoming performance in Brooklyn this summer that <laughs> apparently has sold out of tickets. Yes, you can't get tickets. But do you want to hear what the Ronald Reagan Foundation said? Both sad. But how many people who bought tickets are like would-be assassins? Are they only buying tickets because they don't like the guy? Who's feeling Who's feeling that strongly about what he did to Reagan 42 years ago? Hotshot, all it takes is one person who doesn't like what he did to Reagan. Yeah. He, and <laughs> the fact guess. that he's out of jail and he's out of the insane asylum or whatever it is by reason... And he's living a, a life where he's touring with a guitar. All it takes is one person who thinks that person should not be touring around with a guitar. He's a murderer. Yeah. Or a potential murderer. Yeah, you're right. I'd be scared if I were him. Well, the Reagan group said both saddened and concerned. They said they strongly oppose his release into society where he apparently seeks to make a profit from his infamy. Now, the ticket prices were going for $20 a pop before they all got snapped up. And by the way, this place has somewhat of a decent sized capacity. 450 people. He sold it out. Jesus. Oh, God. I mean, your buddy, uh, what's his name? Uh, Who? Not, not Neil Diamond, but the... Um, Barry? He couldn't sell 450. I mean, Stop come on. It. That's a hell of a, hell of a job. It. But yeah, this whole thing is weird. It's just really weird. I, I thought there was like a law you couldn't profit off your infamy, but I don't know how you really... Like, you can't write a book in jail. Mike, you can't kill five people then write a book about yeah. it. I don't, I don't know. It seems kind of gray, but it's weird. Hotshot, we got a problem in one of your favorite... One of your favorite genres. We got a problem. Okay. A a couple of weeks ago, there was a Leland's auction that sold the final touchdown pass of Tom Brady. Okay. For $518,628. So he threw the touchdown pass in the playoff game. The wide receiver who caught the the ball threw the ball into the stands. Bad move. Yeah. And that ball got retrieved, and it got auctioned a couple of, a couple of weeks ago as the last touchdown pass ever from Tom Brady or a month or so ago. It fetched five hundred eighteen thousand plus, 
and now he's coming back. <laughs> the problem is <laughs> now the owner of that ball who who forked over five hundred eighteen yeah. is like saying, "Hold hold on a second, right? right. It's not fair." <laughs> yeah, but the sellers loving it. They voided the sale. They did. Yes, the ball is going back to the seller. Wow. And the five hundred eighteen thousand six hundred twenty eight dollars going back into the pocket of the buyer. It has become a voided sale because it was sold under the false pretenses. That's or, right. I mean, the, the seller should get like five grand or something just for his trouble <laughs> or her trouble, whoever it is. A little something. What I get, I got to give every penny back. Every penny. Wow. Every penny's going back. All right. You see what your buddy Miles Bridges, you know, he's a Charlotte yeah. Hornet. Are you familiar with that? He threw a, yeah, <laughs> he threw a it. mouthpiece and got a girl or something. It's not funny, but yeah, he was, somebody was heckling him as I he saw, got kicked. Yeah. He, he got booted out of the game. He's walking yeah. out. It was a playing game. Yeah. A fan was, was heckling him and he took his mouthpiece out and tried to, you know, hit the fan and it hit a teenage girl next to him. And he has since come out and said that, um, he was hoping to get in contact with the girl and do something nice for her. So he feels very badly about it. He did not try to hit a girl in the face with his mouthpiece. But you got to be careful when you lose your temper. We like parlays on this show, don't we? Oh, sure. Yeah. Here's one for you. It's only, you know how we always do like 14 leg parlays and how much they pay off yeah. and guys who put like $5 down, whatever. It always comes down to the last game. Yeah. This is just a five leg parlay. It's nothing, really nothing special to it. Okay. But I'm bringing it up anyway. All right. Somebody put down $10. I've seen the parlay ticket on online over the five uh, over these five legs and okay. two of them have been concluded. The University of North Carolina to make the final 4. Okay. 40 to 1. Oh. On a parlay too. Woo. Scott Scheffler to win the Masters at 33 to 1 is on the card. So he's 2 for 2. He's yeah. got three more to go. He's cooking, okay. The Suns to win the NBA title. They're only four to one. They're the number one team in the NBA. There you go. Alabama to win the national championship. They're like two and a half to one. And the Bills have to win the AFC championship. Go to the Super Bowl, not win it. <sighs> yeah. Just go to the Super Bowl out of the AFC at three and a half to one. Okay. So he's he's hit on the first two. He's got three more to go. He can sell the ticket now for a discount. But if those three things happen, Suns title, Alabama National Championship, yeah. Bills win the AFC, $10 ticket pays $959,769. Wow. What would you do if you had that ticket? <laughs> I got would two, you sell it? I got two of five in the in the bank. Two, you got the two hard, you got a 40 to one in right, yeah, and a yeah. 33 to one. And the other three are four to one, two to one, and three and a half to one. So- you got the hard two legs. And the, the Suns was win the championship. Not win the championship. Uh, Four to one. I paid 10 bucks for it. You paid 10 bucks. You get 960 grand if, it, if all five yeah. hit. I think I'm selling it. I oh, think I'm yeah? selling it at a discount. You're not going to get, I don't know how much you're going to get. Well, yeah, that's the thing I would have to know, but. You take 100 grand for it right now? On, on a $10 bet? On a $10 bet, that would pay 960. Right. Would you take 100 grand? Uh, well, forty and thirty-three to one That's on tough. a ten-dollar bet wouldn't get you a hundred grand, though. Would you take fifty grand for it? I, I like a hundred better. Fifty, um, <laughs> fifty. Uh, <coughs> There's the sharpest thing you've said all day. You like a hundred grand more? A hundred's more in the ballpark. I don't think I'd take fifty. There you go. We'll I'll wait and see. All right. WNBA Commissioner Kathy Engelbert said yeah. Monday that she and the league are still fighting like hell to bring Brittany Griner back from Russia. Forgot this was even going on. Telling reporters the situation is, quote, 
unimaginable. She wasted no time addressing, yeah. uh, you know, Griner's Russian detainment in her opening yeah. remarks prior to the WNBA draft. And she still remains in custody. Engelbert said she knows that she's safe, but also added the players across the league are still following officials' advice to stay relatively mum on the topic. So let's hope that she gets home safely at some point. All right, I'm going to do three or four real quickly here. Okay. Colony, Texas. Did you see the parent come out in the in the in the baseball the little league baseball game and knock the knock the umpire down? Was it a female umpire or no? No. Okay, no, I didn't. Sam see Phelps, the umpire, told Fox Four in Texas that he will uh, press charges. Good. After being forced to go to the hospital because of the incident, <sighs> I've seen the video. It shows him being shoved to the ground after a, it was a coach, not a parent. Well, parent too. Yeah, right. But he was a coach. He came onto the field to argue a call. I mean, these kids couldn't have been more than 10 or 12 years right. old. So serious. The coach is arguing the call. He shoves him down. He's a huge guy. I've seen the video. The umpire goes flying. I guess he ends up with a concussion. He's in the hospital. He's like 65 or 70 years old. Oh, he's getting God. paid like $9 to yeah, sure. up the game. And, and he's he's pressing charges. I just want you to know that. He's pressing charges. Good. Uh, Mark Wahlberg's mega mansion. I talked about that. Uh, $87.5 million in Beverly Park, California. It's equipped with a full golf course, skate park, <laughs> full golf course, and grotto. Yeah. Jim Harbaugh hasn't coached the 49ers since 2014, but he's, uh, he's wrapping up some business. He is selling his home in the affluent enclave of Atherton, California for $11.78 million. Okay. Uh, two last, a uh, couple last ones. Tom Hanks' first pitch, see it, in Cleveland? No, I didn't. Pretty he good. He brought Wilson out with him. He did? Wilson the volleyball. No he way. Br- he brought it out with him, and as he was getting ready to throw out the first pitch, I think it was electric. It was a. El- you saw this? No, no, I haven't. I think it was being uh, It was being controlled by a remote control by somebody. Okay. Because the whole shtick was he put the... He'd put the volleyball down, Wilson down, yeah. start to throw his first pitch, and then it would roll away. Yeah. And he'd run and yell, Wilson! <laughs> and then he'd bring it back yeah. and start to throw his pitch again, and then it would roll away again. Somebody was controlling sure. it. Yeah, yeah. It was very cute. That's fun. It was fun. Did he eventually throw a ball? Or he did. He... I didn't see the pitch. Okay, gotcha. Uh, in a Texas uh, a Texas Open qualifier, they're going to play the Texas Open on the PGA Tour yep. this coming week. They have those qualifying opportunities for people to get into the field. Somebody who tried to qualify for the PGA Tours at Texas Open who will remain nameless, not for me, by anybody. They're, they're keeping him an anonymous. Okay. He carded, he, he signed a scorecard, which included a three, which is good. Sure. A four, a five, a six, a seven, an eight, <laughs> a nine, a 10, a 12, and a 13. He shot 70 on the back, 65 on the front for a grand total of 135, and he was 63 overall. <laughs> I think I could beat a 135. Uh, I th- I don't know that you could. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know that you could. I, I feel like I could, but... There's a comeback right. in the world of pop. Oh. Pop music. Oh, boy, if you're talking about it, I can't wait to hear who it's this big, is. It's okay. big. It's big. He had disappeared after a huge hit for a lot of years, but he's announced through social media he's back. And, of course, I mean Gangnam Style's Psy. <laughs> He's back. Yes. He's back. He's back. And I want to say uh, RIP to New York Islanders, former New York Islanders superstar scorer and Hockey Hall of Fame member Mike Bossy. Yeah, I got that. Who uh, I think uh, died at the age of 65. 65. Yeah. I think he won four Stanley Cups in a row for the Islanders in the. In the 70s. Yeah, he won he Rookie was, of the Year in 78. He was in the well, Hall of Fame. Maybe not 70s. So maybe 70s and 80s. Yeah. They won four in a row on the island there. And uh, he, he passed away 
I think after a bout with cancer at the age of 65. One of the 100 greatest NHL players of yes. all time in 2017. Yes. And they came out with that. So list. now I'm done. You're right. I'm You're, out. That's it. I'm okay. out. Well, I have three. Well, I had three RIPs. I have. Do you see the story about corner, the Cowboys cornerback, Kelvin Joseph? He's involved in some sort Jeez. of a. This doesn't look good for him. They're investigating it's a, a homicide yeah. investigation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, according to various reports. And now detectives in Dallas want to talk to the second round draft pick about a shooting that left a man dead. So we'll see what I'll, I'll keep an eye on this. It was two guys, two groups got in a fight. One group, of course, the fight's over, but then the group who started it drives by and starts shooting. And this 20 year old kid actually died, and police say he didn't have to die. He didn't do anything wrong. And now Kelvin Joseph's involved. So this would be brutal for the 24 year old if he has to you know face the consequences with this all right r.i.p liz sheridan you know the name seinfeld's mom you are correct she played jerry seinfeld's mom liz sheridan yes. helen for the entire run of the show from the so now seinfeld's mom the the actress who played, played seinfeld's mom and the actress that played costanza's mom yep both passed away here in the last couple of weeks both very wow, good character crazy. actresses. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Liz was great. She she played in the full run. Like I said, her husband heard her husband husband's name. Can you remember who was hus who was? You mean the character's yeah, name? Yeah, the character's or the, name. Henry Morty. Morty. And they lived in or Florida. Boca. They lived in Boca. Yeah. <laughs> well, his parents really live in Boca. Oh yeah. Yeah. What was yeah, her they, iconic catchphrase? I don't know if this is iconic to you. Oh, Jerry, I don't know. How could anyone not like him? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Right. She was an accomplished Broadway actress appearing yes. in 12 productions of The Great White Way, including Happy End with Meryl Streep. And then she famously dated James Dean, and oh. he even wrote a book about it called Dizzy and Jimmy. Wow. They had a super passionate affair. The book is being turned into a feature film. How about that? Rest in peace, 93 years old. Okay. And then I, had, I also had uh, Mike Bossy as well. Gilbert Gottfried. I mean, that. Oh, we have to talk about that. Yeah. How about that? I mean, God. That was Norm like, McDonald. Yeah. Louis Anderson. Yeah. And that, oh, they Bob Saget. That picture. There, yeah. And now Gilbert Gottfried. Did you like Gilbert Gottfried? Absolutely loved him. Did, was there ever a comedian that you didn't like? You oh, seem yeah, to. There's, there's whenever plenty. we bring up comedians, you seem to always have loved them. Some of those blue collar turds. I mean, if the, one of those guys goes, I won't say I absolutely loved him, you know, but. <laughs> I mean, but they're all kind of the same. They're all kind of like the same group. I mean, they're all, they all sort of came up together. And I don't know. I just relate to all. The, I mean, Gilbert's about as courageous as there's ever been a comedian. I mean, he, he would, he true, like a lot of comics say they don't give an F. Gilbert truly did not. Why do you say that? There's a bunch of examples. I mean, I, I, I think it was Pat. And I, somebody tweeted out that they were at a comedy club with him when they were younger. And he came out on the mic and just said, thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. And he did it for 10 minutes straight. That's all he said and didn't care. And people were kind of getting mad. They didn't think it was funny. And he just pressed on. And then it was the, one of the Comedy Central roasts, the first roast after 9-11. I can't remember who they were roasting. I probably should have yeah, looked I it up. I saw this. I saw this. That joke he made. Yeah. Some would say it was too soon. But he truly. Most would say it was too soon. Some would say you got to laugh at some point. You got to. So you then know. He, 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 he segued into the dirtiest joke of all time. The aristocrats. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's filthy the way he tells it. It's insane. <laughs> you know, it's Jackie Kennedy. He's got a Jackie Kennedy joke about it. Everyone said, I'm going to mess it up, but essentially everyone can say where they were when JFK got shot. But Jackie Kennedy, it's probably, she's probably not the one you want to ask or some, something about, but he told it in Boston Oh, as a young guy oh. and people were like pissed at it, but. He was fearless. And uh, did you see the documentary they made? I'm no. so glad they made this. No. Maybe four years ago. No. About him? Just called Gilbert about his life. Really? It's crazy. I mean, because he's always putting on an act. Even when he was on Stern, he, you never really get to know him. 
He just kind of does the voice. It's his character. And, yeah, yeah and he, but he's never out of it. But he's got two kids. He lets them in their house. Wasn't he in Beverly Hills Cop or Beverly Hills? Uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yes. He played Sidney Bernstein. Yes. Like money manager, yes, business yes, manager. Yes, yes, Yeah, he, I remember. Plenty of voice work. I mean, yeah. anytime someone needed a bird, <laughs> he was the voice of every bird <laughs> and every key. Aladdin, he was in Aladdin. That was a big one. And then he, another example, he got his uh, Affleck money. He got that taken away because he made jokes about the Japanese tsunami. Oh. Right, right after it. Like he truly just didn't care. It was crazy, but it cost him money sometimes. And he just still was the same guy. And he's also what I, from what I hear, the most frugal human who's ever lived. Really? And they, they hit on it in the documentary. He takes every single thing that's in every bathroom of any hotel he's ever, he's been a, a road shampoos, comic for 40, yeah, yeah. 40 years. He's been on the road, right? His wife has Tupperware bins <laughs> upon bins and shelves upon shelves yeah. in their New York apartment. Packed with mouthwash and soap and oh, shampoo. Oh, Jesus. There's a story about him having, he gets a first class ticket and they give him a little bottle of syrup for his pancakes. He uses half of it, puts the lid on, puts it in his pocket, <laughs> takes, <laughs> takes the rest home. I mean, he's like the most oh, frugal human God. ever. But anyway, I thought he was hilarious. How I, old? Uh, I want to say 60, 67. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't know if, I didn't know if he's sick. I didn't know. He, the thing he died from, a heart abnormality called yeah. ventricular tachycardia i'm not saying that right yeah. due to myotonic dystrophy very type two. very rare wow very very rare yeah so that disease. that yeah. one hurts man I, I thought he was really really but funny but just think of those four guys so like in the yeah, last him again you had well uh, norm mcdonald yeah, died that's right norm yeah. louis anderson died yeah bob saget died that's right and gilbert, gilbert godfrey died all in probably a six-month period yeah and you get the sense that all those guys were buddies Oh, for sure. Yeah. Complete I mean, buddies. Gilbert tweeted there's lots out. Of the, there's lots of like um, selfies. and Yeah. Yeah. All those guys just, they came up together either yeah. in Boston or New York. And none know. of them old. I mean, in their 60s, 50s. Well, it's weird. I was thinking the same thing because pro wrestlers are like notorious for dying early. Pro yeah. wrestling fans just know that. You're just getting, no one lives to 80 in that world. Yeah. And I'm wondering if this, if like stand-up comedy is kind of turning into that because it's like these guys are 85 or Yeah, 90. but there's reasons, I think, for the wrestlers. Maybe. Right, they yeah. take stuff that they shouldn't take or yeah, fine. build up. Fine, whatever the reasons are. Their, I, I, I but why know. is it happening to comics? They're know. not out there taking know. bumps on steel chairs. I don't know. Bizarre. All right, I got some headlines for you. Sure, wrap this let's up. go. A pet psychic's dog interrupts a live TV segment that the psychic was a guest on. The dog came out to steal some food. Uh, the psychic couldn't see that one coming. Mm, all right. San Francisco police <laughs> pulled over a white GM self-driving unoccupied taxi for not having its headlights on. Self-driving? That's right, there was no one in it when the cops pulled it over. A white GM, self-driving, unoccupied taxi. There's a company that has these. At first, I thought this story sounds like nonsense because everyone knows the police don't patrol the streets in San Francisco. And the empty cars, sure lucky that it was white. National, <laughs> see I tried to hit them both. National Big Wind Day, celebrated annually on April 12th. Big, Big Wind Day. Commemorates the day in 1934 that a New Hampshire observatory Recorded a wind gust of 231 miles an hour. What? And to think this whole time, I've been celebrating this on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> An Idaho man broke a Guinness World Record by balancing a lawnmower, a lawnmower on his chin for 30 minutes and 33 seconds. Sure. The man's wife was quoted as saying, any chance he can actually cut the grass at some point there, big boy? I'm not impressed. And finally, a Brazilian man had to undergo emergency surgery 
after reportedly shoving a metal dumbbell up his rear oh, during an always some during an, here. an ill-advised attempt Jesus. at self-gratification. I'm no expert, but there has to be a less painful way to get buns of steel. <laughs> it always has to end with that, doesn't it? <laughs> Look, at least it's not a gerbil. Yeah, well, it's. It's not, no. Not this time, but I will be on the hunt for that for the next episode. Episode 187. We hope you enjoyed it. It's in the books.